So one of the many interesting angles out of this uh, horrifying story from Saturday is a a dude on a a supposed neo-Nazi website made some statements after Trump spoke saying, all right, Trump's with us or, you know, along those lines. Right. He didn't call us out. But so that got a bunch of attention. So then GoDaddy yanked that uh, website. They said, we're not going to host you anymore. You can't have a website on GoDaddy anymore, Mm -hmm. even though it had been there for quite a while. And there are others, I guess. Um, So is that the current stance? You can't have a website on uh, if, if you have political leanings that are abhorrent? Well, I think it's a moving target. I'm not sure there is a uh, current stance, but let's ask Elizabeth Dwoskin, Silicon Valley co- correspondent for the Washington Post, who joins us now. Elizabeth, welcome. How are you? Good. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Good morning uh, to you. So uh, what should we know about the uh, GoDaddy and what's it, Stormer Today or something? What's happening? The Daily Stormer, it's yeah. a, a neo-Nazi website. Um says some pretty um, pretty repugnant things, um, including after the the day after the the car crashed into the protesters, uh, the woman who passed it ran a story calling her promiscuous, um, calling her some very ugly words, and essentially saying she deserved to die. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's about as bad as it gets. And so GoDaddy, which hosts 71 million domain names, um, registers them and hosts sites, uh, they pulled their registration from the site's registration. Now, that didn't mean you couldn't get to the site, but it means that it would be hard to find it on Google. So essentially, you know, for anyone who does political organizing, uh, the alt-right leader, Richard Spencer, said, you know, we wouldn't be anything without Twitter or Google. So clearly it's essential and you know this has created a, a huge backlash in right in the right wing world because this has happened. Uh, but what was very fascinating that happened yesterday is you see this tech company that you know GoDaddy. I mean, you use them to register a domain name. It's like the basic pipes of the internet. It's it's so low on the kind of infrastructure totem pole. You know, they're not Facebook. They're not a social media company. But they're pushed into the political maelstrom, and they had to make a choice. And, you know, just bear in mind that GoDaddy hosts 71 million sites, plenty of neo-Nazi sites, plenty of sites with a 71 million sites on GoDaddy. Right. And I was just going to say, I would guess there's, names. there's plenty of sexual perversion. There's probably a handful of uh, Islamic fundamentalism. There are probably some uh, I hate white people like far left sites, probably. I'm sure that there's everything, you know, that this is the Internet and this is the challenge with any of these companies that, you know, have a terms of service. They have a code of conduct, you know, so it says there, you know, you, we, you know we prohibit sites that have pornography. We prohibit sites that incite violence. And they, they am sure they get because I talked to a smaller company, Cloudflare, which still does some services for the Daily Stormer. And they said they get 15,000 complaints a week. And they're a startup, 15,000 complaints a week of abuse of their sites. So you can see how these companies have these policies, but they don't really enforce them because uh, the scale of the Internet and their business is so large. Yeah, so is it just a business decision? Like, you know, if we start, you know, firing customers, how are we going to make any money? Or is it like, does does GoDaddy, for instance, have somebody who regularly Googles sites 
to see if they have neo-Nazi sites on GoDaddy, or do they just not pay any attention until one of them becomes super hot? Yeah, it's a great question. Do they actively, proactively pursue enforcing their policies, which say we don't want we don't want websites that incite violence? They used to say, no, here's a little wrinkle. They used to say in their policy, we prohibit websites that have offensive content. Now, a lawyer That's pretty broad for the Internet. (laughs) That's pretty gosh darn broad for the Internet, I would say. Um, And they quietly actually last month, they got some flack for hosting this neo-Nazi site. Um, What you have is it's not just a neo-Nazi site. I mean, look what happened this weekend. It's one of the largest protests. It's one of the largest gatherings ever of neo-Nazi and white supremacists that have been, you know, in recent memory in this country. So you have this moment where people are very emboldened by Donald Trump. White supremacists are very emboldened by Donald Trump, and um, they're organizing a lot on the Internet. So the Internet is their main tool. So in that context, the tech companies, even something as kind of low on the infrastructure totem pole, the web, you know, the web infrastructure totem pole like GoDaddy is getting attention. So a month ago, somebody called them out and said, you have this privacy, this policy that says you don't allow offensive content. Here you are hosting this neo-Nazi site that was at the time publishing the phone numbers of a Jewish family in Montana. Um you know, which you could say that that is inviting people to go threaten these people. It's publishing their contact information. Um, so they were called out on the Daily Beast, and then quietly in the last month, they took out the offensive language from their policy. And so now the policy no longer says we prohibit offensive language. Well, I just it wonder if it's. Says, I, I, I yeah. wonder. You know, a lot of these websites, I wish they didn't exist, but I, w- I just wonder if it's unrealistic for a Google or a GoDaddy or anybody to uh, t- to, to to be in charge of trying to police this stuff. It would just be, you'd, you'd do it nonstop. Well, not only that, but uh, i got to throw in another wrinkle. Right, because like, why have a policy at all if you can't really, if you can't really uphold it? Why it gives you an all? opportunity Isn't to yank them if, if you have to, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a fail-safe in case you decide you have to like, yank them for business purposes or moral purposes. But one thing I, what happens all the time on Twitter, uh, I've become aware of, uh, aware of is people will report somebody whose point of view they don't like as uh, disseminating hate speech or whatever, and Twitter will shut them down even though they don't disseminate hate speech. The other people just disagree with them. So it's like uh, you know calling the cops and saying your neighbor has a meth lab, essentially. And so not only do companies have to deal with an astounding volume of uh, websites and users, but they're also getting trolled and manipulated. Getting- yeah, manipulated. Exactly. Um, good word. It's, it's just, if you're a professional writer. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth Dwoskin no, no, online, I mean, a Silicon Valley yeah, correspondent for the WAPO. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's that manipulation. You're absolutely right. I mean, that was so one of the companies. So yesterday what happens is, you know, GoDaddy pulls the site. Then the site goes to Google. They re-register with Google. Then Google gets some flack, and Google immediately pulls the registration. And then you see that there's this other company called Cloudflare, Flare, which continues to provide some security services where traffic flows to their site. So then everyone starts, you know, tw- on Twitter, Cloudflare, Cloudflare, Cloudflare. Why are they doing this? And so Cloudflare pushes back and basically says, No, you know, we don't want to be in the business of being the arbiter of truth. We don't want to be the internet's police. We don't. We're we're agnostic. And I talked to them and I said, Look, are you saying that even if you are providing services to a website? That is literally saying, go kill people, this type of people, and then people go out and kill them. You're not going to stop providing services to that site. And they said no. So they're on the, 
the total extreme end, and they said, you know what, we can't. And to your point about manipulation, they said every week we get 15,000 of these abuse complaints, and we're, we're operating worldwide. And we can tell you that in a lot of countries, there are political groups that are using us to shut down the voice of people they disagree with. Happens all the time. Well, wow, good so they stuff. Said, How can we be in a position to know? We're not. Right. A- Very interesting. Very. Yeah. Uh, I, that was Twitter's original plan, right? They were going to be completely yes, the Wild West, and then they either got a conscience no, it, or or got pressured to do it, or I don't know, you know, what caused them to change. But there has never been a totalitarian regime that has said we're shutting down these voices because they threaten our regime. No, they always say they're they're, <laughs> they're sick, they're radicals, they're perverts, they're terrorists, you know, they're terrorists, etc. So yeah, it makes it extremely difficult. No, the example you just gave is incredibly troubling. I mean, if somebody is actually inciting violence, which is a, a crime then I, I hate them existing. But once you but start if, down that if road. if I, Joe Getty, uh, the libertarian conservative type, am labeled a hate monger by enough people who don't like my point of view, then I'm silenced too. And that's, that's well, and then you've got to counter silence the other people and the rest of it. And I, I just don't know where it ends. Tough I think, situation. Uh, Elizabeth, is anybody talking seriously about shutting down the Internet? <laughs> <laughs> that maybe it was a bad idea. We didn't think it through. Maybe it may be, uh, you know, I think uh, not even our enemies, they, they want that. <laughs> yeah, some yeah. days, some they, days they like I really do. Our Internet too much, too. Yeah. Elizabeth Dwoskin of the Washington Post covers Silicon Valley and tech issues and that sort of thing. Uh, good to talk to you. Thanks. Good to talk to you, too. Thanks for having me. All right. Back. Yeah, it's our pleasure. I know I'm in a minority here, but I, uh, I on the whole, would go pre-Internet age if I could go, have the world go back to before the Internet. I think things were better off. No way. I don't think I'm just an old person yelling at kids. Kids today. No, no, I, I'm not on your side of it just because I've always hated humanity. And so <laughs> I just have more evidence now. I don't like what it's done to media. I don't like what it's done to news, all news information. I don't like passwords. <laughs> <laughs> I like what it's done for, for music and art and, and humor. You can see all sorts of great stuff and. And the creative energies of humanity are much more easily accessed you without corporate gatekeepers. You can't make any money off of it, but you can yeah. share yeah. your art if you want. Yeah. Um, God, my my hospital. I've been using their website for a couple of years now. It's been great. They just last week, which is pretty ironic, just last week they revamped their website, and now they have new password requirements oh boy. that require all this different crap. Last week, we learned, if you were listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show, the guy who invented all those password requirements came out and said they're pointless. (laughs) So now this new website, unusable, haven't been able to get in. It claims it never heard of me before. Just all, and anytime they try to advance something, it gets worse. That's been my experience, like nine out of ten times. You redo a website or anything like that, and it's worse. I don't know why that is. I'm amazed that I can understand in the early days of the Internet that why that happened. I'm surprised we haven't caught up to that yet, the IT world. I assume it will at some point. I'll bet automobiles for the first, like, 20, 30 years, they always broke down. Yes. People were complaining all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm surprised the Internet hasn't got worked out better. I thought that guy last week, I want to send a letter to the, the website and say, did you see this article in the Wall Street Journal? The guy who invented the stuff you just mandated says it's all pointless. Maybe uh, give that a look. The exclamation point, the numbers, the letters. I think you really ought to do a weekend show, Jack on Tech. (laughs) For people who wish the internet didn't exist. Yes, I think that would be the audience. (laughs) Sometimes an update 
they'll, they'll improve like two things, but then 20 things are just right. different and right. not as good. R- right. That, that seems to happen mostly. I don't actually care much about you or your site. All I want to know is when is my appointment? Right. That's all I require. Right. That's the only info I need. And you know what? If the Russian mob gets that information, I don't care. Oh, they no. can come along. The <laughs> Russians know I'm supposed to give a urine sample at 4 o'clock on Tuesday. Right. Yeah, that's what we were talking about the other day. There should be an opt-out for people who don't care if their information is hacked. I'm all right with it all being out there. We should all get to check that box somewhere. Um... That was interesting stuff. I want to talk about that more. Anybody got any comments? 415-295-KFTC. I mean, there's got to be a thousand neo-Nazi sites on GoDaddy today, right? Yeah. Neo-Nazi, classic Nazi, proto-Nazi. Right. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So we got some interesting texts. A lot of you are pissed off about her. They were emboldened oh, by Donald Trump yeah, comment, yeah, which was, you know, yeah. that's like her opinion, man. Um, I don't think they were discouraged by Donald Trump's oh, they, election. They definitely were not. Would you agree with me there, angry Ab- texters? Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. I also, you know. It wasn't, well. it wasn't necessary to go there for this particular angle we're looking at to get into that conversation much less to repeat it but you know it's, it's, it's her right which is the well uh, and we can here's the and we got to tell you this all the time if we stopped to have an argument with every statement that we disagree with by every guest we would just never get anywhere and i understand why it's frustrating sometimes but retweets are not endorsements retweets are not endorsements or failure to argue with people is not necessarily right. an endorsement of course not um uh, so we got a bunch of texts on this, and it's the so GoDaddy uh, kicked the neo-Nazi site off when it got so much national attention. They've been hosting it for a long time. Did they know it existed or not? Probably, technically, no. I don't think they're looking for them either. No. Why would you? You're in the business of hosting websites, and as she pointed out, if if you spent your time trying to find websites that are objectionable objectionable by everyone's standards by most people's standards by the majority of people's standards i mean what's your what are you drawing the line here right keeping in mind that i mean just within the united states the first amendment exists to protect unpopular speech cuz popular speech doesn't need it and they get so many false flag warnings that's the wrong term they were falsely flagged. False flag is a different phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, falsely flagged websites or commentary just because people hate you because you're a liberal or hate you right. because you're a conservative. So they say this is hate speech. And then so they got to figure that out. No, this isn't hate speech. This is just, so. And, spend, and meanwhile, they're trying to run a company. Meantime, while they're trying to r- run a web hosting company. And how do you do that? That's something, you know, that's why I want to go back to the pre-internet days. But this hasn't been worked out yet. How about this business idea? Free speech web hosting. You can post anything, no oversight. A couple of companies have tried that. Twitter tried that. Mm -hmm. But then you get down to, okay, we know this guy's a terrorist. He's, He's talking about terrorist attacks. He's, he's, he's recruiting people. How do we keep that on our 
business. Right. How do we keep that on Twitter? And once you kick that person off, okay, now you've opened the can of worms. It's on. It's right. on. Where do you draw the line? It's it's complicated. Um, is racism merely a political position? Yeah, that's that's a good argument. Is is it against the law to you don't could you you're not violent, but you think whatever race is better than other races? Or you just is think, that against the law? Is that is that speech that can't, shouldn't exist? What if you're a segregationist? Right. You think, oh, all races are perfectly fine, but we're all better off and have happier lives if they don't mix. I mean, that's certainly racialism. Are you going to kick that off of GoDaddy or Google or whatever? Yeah. What about I hate white people because of various historical sins or, or whatever, whatever your perception is, or violent cops or whatever. I just hate white people. You got to kick that off. I mean, because that's clearly racism. But there are zillions of those sites. I think so. I think GoDaddy probably handled it. She was calling them uh, hypocrites. I think GoDaddy probably handled it the way most companies are going to handle it. They know these sites are there. If they get a bunch of attention, we'll kick them off. If they don't, we're not looking for them. Right. That's kind of real-world uh, solutions, uh, problem-solving. I get that. It doesn't look good in print, but come on, I totally get that. Well, if you start policing political speech on all your on your, all your websites, that's going to be really tough in social media. Well, nobody has any restraint. That's the problem. I happen to be. I'm looking at this article right now. It was in the uh, the the San Francisco Chronicle, um, written by. This is weird. This website I'm on. It scrolls sideways. You like. Do your mouse uh, roller thingy, and it goes left and right instead of up and down. It's very disorienting. Blowing my mind. It's freaking me out, man. Trisha Fedani wrote a uh, a really quite nice piece about um, doxing. It's essentially... Doxins? No. (laughs) No. Doxing or dropping dox. It's, It's outing people on the internet for doing something or saying something you don't like and then like revealing personal information to try to ruin their lives or get them fired or screw them or whatever this is one of the scariest parts of the internet yeah and and uh in the wake of the uh the 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 the, the march oh the scumbags in charlottesville um there are a lot of people on the left who are like exposing all those people for being racist getting them fired from their hot dog job in berkeley or there's one guy who's essentially uh, um his co- his his not his company his um his family put out a statement essentially disowning him and saying he will not be welcome at our family table until he disavows these obnoxious views blah 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 wow but so there's a lot of that going on but it's it's just like what you're talking about with uh, that oh what they're doing over there is hate speech you cannot trust people to be responsible and restrained they also um uh, uh trisha in her piece has an example of a guy who's now gotten physical work personal threats of every sort for being at that rally but he was 1300 miles away he wasn't at it. Yeah, it was another guy, etc. So now this guy's dealing with this online nightmare, and he was nowhere near it. Yeah, that's the problem with the whole social media thing. It's vigilante justice, right? It's, which we've said many times, the world needs a little bit of vigilante justice, but it almost never goes. Well. Yeah, the reason you don't allow it is because it always gets out of hand, and so people get ahead of steam up for ruining lives of uh, of people who are at this march, and you start getting the wrong people or somebody with the same name or whatever. Happens all the time. Right. 
Right. And then we've had the examples through the years of somebody telling a you know inappropriate joke in private, but it's overheard, and then somebody puts it out on social media and go after the job, they lose their job. And then everybody pretends that there is no difference between things you say in private and things you state to the public. When everybody knows, every honest person knows, there are things you whisper in church, then there are things you stand up and say to the entire congregation in church. There are things that you you tell your best friend, there are things that you publish in the newspaper. What do you whisper in church versus what you say out loud in church? The minister's gotten fat. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a for instance. That's fat shaming. I mean, if, if if I whisper that to my wife, for instance, that is merely being petty and small and shameful. Uh, if I say it out loud, that's being cruel. It's different. And you're cool with the small and shameful. You don't want to be cruel. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. Don't be cruel. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> to our heart, that's true. Or a minister who's gained a few pounds. Who, who among us have? Oh, speaking of which, I think I actually came to this insight. So I feel like I was hit by a bus. Uh, because Judy and I took this five-mile hike yesterday, up and down hills and dales, and it was really tiring. It was longer than we thought it was going to be, so by the end we were kind of dragging. And I feel like I was hit by a bus today. Loop or a there and back? Uh, loop. Um, and I like there and backs because I have some idea of... <laughs> well, right. If you get 45 minutes in and you think, we're not at the end yet, we're 45 minutes in, you have a reasonable idea of how long it'll take uh-huh. you to get back. Yeah, but you're right. I was seduced by the loop. Um, <laughs> but I had this insight because, you know, I was thinking, all right, I ought to talk about this on the air. But then I thought, God, I sound like some old fart. I mean, it sounds like, you, oh, you walked five miles and now you're all sore. Is that, what are you, 80? And it, it dawned on me. There's no need really to do these things until it's unpleasant to do them. If you're at the age where you can do a five-mile hike up and down hills and dales, et cetera, et cetera, and the next day you feel precisely the way you did the previous day, you probably don't need to do it. Or you need to do 20 miles. Well, right. Yeah, that's true. But it's also proof positive that nature wants me dead. (laughs) Here's nature's idea. Nature's on in line. Pardon me? Yeah, nature's in line from the text I see. <laughs> get in line, nature. Nature wants you to get to roughly 16 to 17 years of age, reproduce, oh, yeah. raise that child uh, or a couple, two tree childs to roughly that same age. So you're a maximum of 42 years old. And then you got to get the hell out of the way. Now, we got room for a couple village elders who can sit there rocking back and forth on their haunches at the campfire and say, hmm, I wouldn't attack that tribe. Hmm, we tried that back in the day. But we only need a couple of those people. And nature is telling you to get out of the way by making you all sore and stiff, doing just average things. Nature it's is, a message. God is screaming at you. You're supposed to be dead by now. Die, would you? <laughs> nature never wanted you to hike it in the first place. Well, you got to stay in hiking shape in case the antelope are in the next valley, Vince. I don't kill a lot of antelope, but I'd rather not be dead, so I'm defying nature. Spitting in its face.
Huh? How do you like that? We need a little CRISPR technology is what we need. Oh, man. Or the blood of the young. Have yes. they gotten that going yet? Uh, <laughs> Drain young it. people Getting of their close. vital juices Not and sell them yet. to me. Almost. <laughs> Let's get this on going. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to find a lot of unwise, short-sighted young people and oh, buy their fluids. Please. Nothing <laughs> counts so much as oh, blood. I'm going to be dry as an old catcher's mitt by the time I'm through with them. <laughs> You're I'm gonna 22. Have giant fridges. I'm going to have a, like how some people have like cabinets in their garage. I'm going to have a line of stainless steel fridges with the juices of young people in there. You're 22. You think you're going to feel like this forever. Right. You're not going to age. You're exactly. the different one. Here's 100 bucks. No, here's 20 bucks. Sell me your bile. <laughs> or whatever it is I need. I need a pint of your blood. <laughs> that is the future. So what's coming up in your news, Marshall? A key business leader is getting attacked by President Trump this morning. Is Putin selling North Korea intercontinental ballistic missiles and the new millennial boom town? It's coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Giddy. And I'll tell you what. I'll bet our uh, I'll bet our spooks believe that Russia's selling North Korea those missiles. Mm, what do we do about it? I don't know because that's 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 something. Putin standing there shirtless, astride a rhino, poking us in the chest, saying, "What are you gonna do about it?" Right. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I didn't see this, Vincent. It's a visual. Did you watch Mooch on Colbert? A uh, little of it. So uh, Colbert showed Mooch the famous picture yes. from the Oval Office yes. of when Mooch and, and Bryant's Priebus were staring each other down. Mm. I assume he asked him what was going on there. What did Mooch say? I uh, just said that there was no love lost there. Um, so he's he's not trying to pretend they don't hate each other. Yeah, but he didn't go out and right. call him a spade a spade or whatever. There's that whole team arrivals thing. I mean, you want you want people with differing opinions and and, and disagreements are good, so you get you know blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But you don't want people who hate each other or trying to cut each other's throats with the media, trying to get each other fired. Right. That's that's no good. Well, he yeah. talked about the the environment uh, within Trump's mm-hmm. uh, staff and the administration. He said there was infighting. People were leaking stuff all to curry favor with the Donald, all to look good in his eyes. Yeah, well, Kelly's putting an end to that, and I think it's going to include Bannon going. But anyway, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, this morning, President Trump is slamming the string of CEOs who have resigned from his manufacturing council. The CEOs of Intel, Under Armour, Merck Pharmaceuticals, and now the head of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, quitting the council amid the fallout over Trump's reaction to the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia. Once again, we have official President Trump tweet reader, Vincent Nicholas. For every CEO that drops out of the Manufacturing Council, I have many to take their place. Grand Sanders should not have gone. Jobs! (laughs) All right. The old President's Manufacturing Council and the good work they do. After a week of unusually... I don't mean to be cynical. The the president should hear from manufacturers and companies that make stuff in America Uh, because I think they have been really neglected. Well, yeah. I like the idea. And that's, you know, a lot of his base and the the whole... If there is a Trump... If there is such thing as Trumpism or whatever, it all revolves around that. But I don't think picking a fight with these guys is a good idea. Let them go. Yeah. Next... After a week of unusually combative threats between North Korea and the U.S., both nations signaling interest in moving away from conflict, maybe toward negotiations, even as North Korean leader Kim Jong-un received plans for launching missiles near Guam 
and threatened to ring the windpipes of the Yankees. Oh. He left open the door for easing tensions. Easy on my windpipe. So why did he do that? Did uh, did did China finally lean on him and say, look, they're serious. They're going to attack you, so you better back off. Or did he get what he wanted, or he thinks he can buy time, and he's only a month away of forgetting the, the, the missile or the nuke that he needs to really be able to manipulate the world? Who knows? I think the, the answer is yes to all of those things yeah. you suggested. Delay is good for him. Right. Yep. New York Times reporting North Korea's success in developing intercontinental ballistic missiles was made possible by black market purchases of powerful rocket engines, probably from a Ukrainian factory with historical ties to Russia's missile program. That's according to assessments by American intel agencies. And that may solve the mystery of how North Korea began succeeding so suddenly after a string of fiery missile failures. So this this is a huge development, I think, and, and it hasn't gotten any attention today. But if Putin was watching North Korea and thought, man, they keep failing, I'm going to get him some good rockets, the mm-hmm. good stuff. Right. Yep. And armed. I mean, a, a der- he's already he's arming the Taliban. But, you know, arming the Taliban with 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 guns and uh, whatever is, is one thing. Giving North Korea missiles to shoot nukes at Chicago. Wow. Anything to weaken the United States. That's the policy of China and Russia. And I could easily see, you know, Marshall said black market, which is strictly speaking true. But I'll I'll bet it was brokered by Putin and his peeps. New York Times report goes on to say that analysts who looked at the photos of uh, the leader, the North's leader, Kim Jong-un, inspecting the new rocket motors concluded they are similar to designs that once powered the Soviet Union's missile fleet. Attention turning to a missile factory in Ukraine where during the Cold War the factory made the deadliest missiles in the Soviet arsenal. Really? So the, so that missile plant made their best stuff? Yes. And that's where North Korea got yes. theirs? Oh, please. Well, yeah, come on. It's, that's an, all. it's easy. I mean, you're that plant, you're going to take that in just that risk? I mean, that's death penalty stuff. That's your company is shut down. That's disaster time if you get caught, unless you got the word. Yeah, go ahead. Turns In out, fact, not only, yeah, go ahead, but here's what you're going to do. Turns out these days more millennials are moving away from the coast in the larger cities like L.A. and San Francisco, shattering the misconception that they are attracted to all aspects of city life. Actually, moves are being driven in large part by economics. Good. Good. That's the way it should work. Millennials move into places they can afford and can, in turn, gentrify themselves. Southern California's Chapman University says the areas seeing the most notable growth are the Inland Empire, Riverside, San Bernardino, Redlands, Sacramento, California, San Antonio, Texas, and Detroit. Detroit huh. gaining a lot yeah. of millennials these days. I got a friend who lives in Detroit. I got a couple of friends who live in Detroit, actually, because you can buy stuff for nothing there. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just, you know, it's a starting over place for a lot of people. You know, and word's going to get around. People are going to move to all these towns and they're going to say, you know, uh, we're not close to the ocean, but I never really went to the ocean. I never actually went skiing, so I'm doing the same thing here that I used to do at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what's true for like 99% of people. And if you get enough people going in the same direction, I mean, you can rebuild the way you want. And again, you can get things for next to nothing and go ahead and uh, have some have some kick-out fun. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Voice of the West. Interesting. Man, that Russians giving the new the the missiles to North Korea. Holy crap! How are
are we going to respond to that? Who do we arm against them? You know, and a sidebar to that story, it was pointed out in the New York Times uh, report that uh, Trump has gone out of his way to lean on China about the missile program, but he said nothing about Russia. Now, I don't know if that means the Hill of Beans, but they do point it out in the article. Jack, if I want to hurt Russia, I kick him in the gas. Is that a play on words? I'm Joe Getty. Stay with us. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll explain. The petering out coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. They think this is the worst summer for movies maybe ever. Really? Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. I can summarize my Russian strategy in about, you know, 10 seconds. All right. Do anything it takes to lower oil and gas prices. We're doing that, right? Overproduce, sell, et cetera. Yeah, and we can do more, and we can hit up uh, various allies to to cooperate and, and devastate the Russian economy. That's how you hit Putin. And that's what I'll bet, I'll bet you a, a ruble we're about to do. But nobody's got nukes pointed at Russia. And it's talking yeah, about bombing do. them. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. No. No. We need to arm somebody that's going to point nukes at Russia. <laughs> Who would do that? Who do you have in mind? How about Denmark? <laughs> <laughs> so it's the worst summer in at least 25 years. With the only three point four billion dollars being made, I wonder if they adjusted that for inflation. Who knows? <laughs> Why are you groaning? You don't like adjusting for inflation. I like it when well, you although adjust. Well, it, it would be—it's <laughs> yes. sexy when you do yes. that. Um, <laughs> it would be even more notable if this was a low uh, dollar summer, not adjusted for inflation. Right. But I'd like to know how notable. So, exactly. Yeah. Freaking journalism today. It's it's awful. It's just dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> Trouble times. Denmark attacking Russia. It's awful. Are the movies getting worse? We just don't want to go to the theaters? Well, it's all of it, right? Uh, Yeah, well, part TVs of it, are better. Who's we in this scenario? Popcorn's too expensive. Well, is we the American people? Well, sure. the movies are being made for the Chinese uh, market. You've got to have international profit to have real profit. You know what one of my keys is? <laughs> Television's so much better. Yeah, true that. There's so much freaking good television. Here's our guest announcer. That concludes today's childish grown-up talk. Now, here's final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. I mean, childish grown-up talk. I was initially annoyed by that, the, the more I think about it. I'll save my movie thought for my final thought. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the team. For instance, Vincent, final thought. Band name of the day goes a positive Sean for the vague affirmations, but Bonmo and rhetorical question we all should be asking ourselves today goes to Joseph Getty for, are we afraid that the mannequins are Nazis? <laughs> uh, Marshall Phillips, final thought. Uh, speaking for the Finns who've long held a grudge against Russia, go ahead and arm the Finns. That's right, the Finns, tough people, Indeed. resilient, drunk. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, I remember the age when I was at the clubs and the young 20-somethings wouldn't have me. I was 23. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs>
Positive Sean, what are your final thoughts, sir? Yeah, season two of the Emmy-nominated expose, Scientology and the Aftermath from Leah Remini begins tonight. It is on your arts and entertainment channel. Check your local listings. Great show. Uh, Jack, final thought. Yeah, that's part of the example right there. It's not hard to believe that more people went to the movies when Laverne and Shirley was the best thing on television. Yeah, you'd go to the movies for something really, really good. Now there are so many shows that are just freaking awesome. Who needs a movie? My final thought is I need a cabin boy. (laughs) I need a young man who will keep me company and perform certain services. Does he need to be shaven? (laughs) That's up to him. (laughs) But I need him to come over and figure out why my freaking wireless router doesn't work right. I need a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, boy, get me Wi-Fi, boy. Yeah, better than being a handyman, well, as good as being a handyman in the modern world, is you just do everything tech, anything, and you can just hire them to come to your house. Yeah, and you know, I'm pretty comfortable with all that stuff, but there's just, there's a certain level of knowledge. If you run into a problem that can't be solved in the usual ways, then you've got to learn like a a whole nother layer of technical stuff. I don't have that hour and a half. No, why would you? Boy, what are you doing, boy? Come fix it. Boy, that's what you should do is get really good at that and rent yourself out as a handyman. That's a career path right there. I see some stubble on your chest, boy. Take care of that. Uh, it's gotten extra weird. <laughs> extra, <laughs> extra weird. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. I would say... Would you say it? Say it like the mooch. Say it like the mooch. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. With my dad, Angel Getty. Can I press that bad button? Are we ready to start? One, two, three. I'm a proud Democrat, but first and foremost, I'm a proud Republican and Democrat and mostly American. Can you believe in miracles? Yes, you can. On a shucky-ducky kind of day. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. I'm up and ready and running. So the audience are a bunch of hoes. Yeah. Real classy. Why don't we just go to the story? Talk radio has made people lack confidence in a lot of our existing institutions. The best place to get real information is the Armstrong and Getty show. (laughs) They don't want to get a nasty tweet from Donald Trump. Well, who wouldn't want an opportunity to talk to Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty? Why are you here today? I don't watch the news. The birthplace of talk radio. Well, uh, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, who host the popular uh, radio talk show, ask the same question of their listeners. And here's their response. I would say... Would you say it? Say it like the mooch. Say it like the mooch. I give you America itself. This is Ed McMahon. And now, 
Here's Armstrong and Getty. Is there any chance things go back to normal? No. No? No chance things thank go back to normal. Thank you for asking. Okay. That's kind of hoping Does you'd anybody say... anybody else have any questions? I thought you'd say, perhaps say yes. <laughs> but you said no. There's no chance things go back to normal. I'll be darned. Live from Studio C. A dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty show. Uh, and today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Fatigue. <laughs> this can't go on for another three and a half years. It can't. We can't take it. So, has anybody nailed down? Have you seen the video of John Kelly putting his head down and shaking his head? That's good yeah. stuff. So, yeah. has anybody nailed down what was being said at the time? Because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not I'm not off the rails here. Or not not jumping into line with the lamestream media. Well, I just want to know what actually happened. Because you know what they do, like, on The Bachelorette and Survivor and stuff like that? Is you catch somebody reacting to something else. Right. And yeah. then you put it with this, and then you make things look a certain way. That's the way they do it on reality TV. Does anybody know what he was reacting to? I, I imagine he had his head down the entire 16 yeah, minutes. He I might have. Say. <laughs> yes. Vincent, Vincent part of the aforementioned L. S. Ma'am. Would, would I would I be surprised if some of the commentary from Trump had his chief of staff put his head down and shake his head like, oh, no. Um, no, I would not be surprised a, by that. But I would just like to He is a disciplined know. military man. You'd think he could refrain from doing that unless he is so drowning in despair that he can't help himself. He did. He he Yeah, that's the look he had. I've been in meetings like that. I've been in situations like that where you just think, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, boy. No, don't say that. Oh, God, he said it. And then he shook his head. Yeah, boy. He just shook his head a little bit. Well, I would oh. like to see it synced up with the yeah. actual audio at the yeah. time. I would like to know what was said that made him shake his head like that. Uh, what we're going to do today is study the world. Study the world. Ah, yes, ah, yes, ah, yes. Study it. Study it now. <laughs> yeah, study the world. That's the verve of a man with a pocket full of lottery tickets over Indeed. there. That's what that is. Good verve. <laughs> uh, so let's kick off the show by uh, introducing everybody on the squad. To my alt left is Michelangelo pressing buttons, flipping toggles, and pulling fingers. See, there you go. It's the lighter side of the current troubles. Yeah, hilarious political joke, Jack. <laughs> How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing good. Uh, it's funny. I have two things here. I, one, everybody laughed at me getting that pet feeder. You know, yesterday the electronic pet feeder. It works great. There you go. Wow. They, they laughed fan. at you. They laughed at you, including members of my own family. They really, you know, they said, I was listening and I heard you talk about this pet feeder. And did you really spend your money on that? And what I, did yeah. Gandhi say? First, they ignore you. Then they criticize yeah, you. It's just right. like that. Then they laugh at you. Then then you win. Yeah. Then they play cruel pranks on you. <laughs> And they ignore you again. And more nothing. mocking. And there's, and then and there's more, more mocking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone has an electronic pet feeder. That's right. And the other thing is I'm holding in my hand something I have not done in many, many years. These are actual cassette tapes that I got for Jack Armstrong because awesome. I'm going to tape the show so he can oh, play cool. it in his RV. Yeah, because my RV has a cassette player in it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway, but it's just very odd. It felt really weird to be holding a cassette and opening it up. And I haven't, you know, done this in like twenty years. Yeah, no kidding. Crazy. 
Uh, directly to his alt-right is uh, Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Uh, doing very well. I, I am I am continually entertained while simultaneously somewhat worried about the, the press conference stuff. I don't know what goes next i i'm just uh, how many more staffers are going to be replaced or is it gonna is is it's the same thing everybody's been asking about trump is this the thing that he doesn't recover from i don't know he's been able to to bounce back from all of them before it's uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole this whole scenario you know one thing this whole thing reminds me of is um after the state you ever seen a monkey trying to make love to a football <laughs> after his state of the union address there was a whole bunch of people including you know even the washington post msnbc crowd said wow tonight is the night he became president of the united states this is a different donald trump and i thought okay things have changed it was that next saturday state of the union address is on tuesday night it was on saturday morning that he puts out the tweet about obama tapping his phones and then everything went off the rails again. Bad or sick guy. And then so last week he gets he gets bad or sick guy. Thank yeah. you, Vincent. Last week he's so strong on North Korea. I was thinking this is going to be the first reverse of his poll numbers because you had people on again MSNBC saying, you know what, somebody had to say it. Right. Some of his biggest critics were saying, well, you know. Somebody had to say it. I thought, this is going to be the first reverse of his poll numbers. Well, and he got the bowling ball of communism to back down. Uh, that with the economic stuff, I thought, wow, things are going to turn around. And then Saturday comes. Yeah. And so. <sighs> constant chaos. Political, rhetorical, emotional roller coaster. Even if you want to stay completely out of what's right and what's wrong or all that, you have to wonder strategically how he thinks some of this stuff is helping him accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He doesn't. He doesn't think like that. I think Laura Ingram's absolutely right. I heard her talking uh, yesterday. Um, she said he's getting drawn into the pundit game. He sees himself as a talking head around a table on a cable news show, and doesn't understand or, or I don't can't internalize and discipline himself that he has a very very different role than the people arguing at the table, and he can just ignore the argument. He's the damn POTUS. He just gets dragged in. There, and, and then, and then it, it should be said, handles it terribly. There is Vincent, uh, our senior executive producer of this nation's most prominent Asian-American talk show personality. Harry Vincent. Oftentimes, I'm, I'm, I am uncomfortable being the chief constable of the Armstrong Getty. Yeah, no patrol, but <laughs> I have a job <laughs> sure. to do. It was thrust upon you. There are many conflicts of interest that I go through. I feel like I'm in, in the internal affairs department of a bad 1980s cop movie. Nevertheless, <laughs> exhibit number one, Sean dropping a no, yeah, this one's a little hard what? to hear, but I, I, I reviewed it many times. Was it my no, show? me. Yeah, I, um, I didn't catch that. Let's let's try that again. Was it my show? No, me. Yeah, I, it, that sounded like yeah, ma, ma no, yeah. <laughs> he says no, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'd say me, yeah. I'd say of seven words spoken, <laughs> none of them were English. Not guilty. <laughs> I'm a free man. Yeah. yeah, not beyond a reasonable doubt. Exhibit number two comes from one Craig Gottwalls. This happened on July 28th. But you got to learn how to do it sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can't. Well, okay, that's uh, a clear, clear case. Yeah. That's a clearly uh, guilty. Yeah. Not only that, but a double yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, But you no. got to learn how to do it sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can't. Oh, oh yeah. boy, that is so sad. And finally, 
<laughs> my former fellow grammar Nazi, Joe Getty. What? Constant infractions, Joe Getty. No, wrong. I have been cleared of every ridiculous railroad charge you've thrown my way. Bring it. Bring it. What's so you can play it? This is from yesterday's show. Oh, well, yeah. No. No. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no. My, <laughs> my, my, my. That's oh, just indecisiveness. Well, yeah. no. Well, no, I no. was... I was obviously asked a question. What was the question? Yeah, I don't think that was Doesn't being matter. used as the verbal crutch or the the, the replacement for an um. You're just defending him. They say, hey, hey, don't interrupt Fellow my defense yeah, attorney. No defense. I, I am in defense of justice and righteousness. I, I'm not going to sit here for this monkey court. <laughs> this is oh, not a well, monkey yeah. court. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I'll see. This is how it gets started. <laughs> this sort of uh, railroading a suspect reminds me of the Soviet Union. First, At least we can all agree that Craig is guilty. First, they came for the yeah, no people, and I said nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh but, my! And, and by the way, if my lawyers dropped a yeah, no on me, I'd say, well, what are you, one of them pro bono jack wagons? <laughs> <laughs> jack wagons. Wow. There's Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I'm doing well. I got a pocket full of Powerball tickets and a dandy trio of celebrity birthdays awesome. today. I'm going to go by net worth. From least to most. Oh, that's exciting. Poorest amongst them, actors, <laughs> actor Steve Carell, 55 years old, net worth a mere $50 million. $50 million. Wow. Yes. Holy crap. He's, I'm in the wrong business. He's 55? Yes. So he was not young when he was on Daily Show then. No. Now I've got a question. Uh, which of these two do you think is worth more? Would it be Madonna or movie director, producer James Cameron? Madonna. Oh, I say Cameron. Oh, an even split. All right, here we go. Coming in second place. Coming in. You're second way more excited place. about this than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and me too. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're out of time. We'll have mailbag coming up in a moment or two. Movie director, producer James Cameron, sixty-three, net worth seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, no, Madonna, fifty-nine years old, net worth at least eight hundred million dollars. Wow, oh, Madonna she edges them out. Madonna yeah. has more money than the guy who made Titanic and that Avatar movie. Yes, that's amazing. Yes, I should have gotten a better agent. It's his fault. I'm wrong, not mine. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, that is something else. Just a lifetime oh, of. Oh, you know uh, what it is. Her last couple of tours were like nostalgia uh, morons yeah. and, and gay fellows come out to see her. Um, though She sells out stadiums coast to coast. But Titanic and her Avatar. has got to be enormous Titanic and Avatar are the two biggest movies of all time. And she still makes more money by being a, a trampy boudoir pop star. It's interesting. <laughs> With $800 million. Yeah. Wow, I'll be damned. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is a Wednesday, August 16th, year 2017. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Of course, we've been saying since the 80s, more or less, she is way, she is a way better businesswoman than singer. Yeah. I mean, it's not even yeah. close. All right, let's begin the show now officially, according to FCC rules and regulations, like a virgin at Mark. The statement I made on Saturday, the first statement, was a fine statement. But you don't make statements that direct unless you know the fact. I want to make sure, when I make a statement, that the statement is correct. And there was no way, there was no way of making a correct statement that early. You can call it terrorism. You can call it murder. You can call it whatever you want. 
I would just call it as the fastest one to come up with a good verdict. Define alt-right to me. You define it. This week it's Robert E. Lee. I notice that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious, and it was horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. What took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final? Does anybody have? You have an infrastructure. At uh, just a taste of uh, how it went down yesterday, I got a rundown of how it unfolded in the media across the country as it wasn't a scheduled press conference even. Right. And uh, networks started breaking into regular programming in the middle of it and taking it live. I didn't realize that. Like ABC busted into their game shows and said, "Oh, well, the president's going off here. We better, we better run this." Wow, yeah, it's something. And then the reactions of hosts on all the channels when the president finished is really interesting. Madness. So, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, President Trump spreading the blame, setting off all sides. Women, it turns out, prefer the smell of guys who eat healthier. And the Mooch launching a new career. Stories coming up six thirty-five. Armstrong and Getty. From the smell of guys who what? Eat, eat crap. Eat healthier. Okay. Uh, I'll stay tuned. How does mailbag look? Still coming together, frankly. I think we can save it in the editing room. Gonna bring James Cameron in. He's gonna do a little CGI work, punch up the dialogue. We'll be all right. Fantastic. I think um, we're ready for a February, mid-February release. Yeah, so some people are uh, calling what happened with the president, his press conference yesterday, a uh, fairly major moment. I can I can tell you what news channels and pundits said on all sides. Coming up a little bit later. Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So we're trying to nail down at what moment during Trump's impromptu press conference did his chief of staff, John Kelly, drop his head and, and kind of shake it and then mutter. Now, everybody in the media is portraying it as this is the chief of staff saying, oh, my God, what, what is he doing? How am I going to handle this? Why do I work for this guy? Which Maybe may he had a headache. Which may very well be true. That might even be easily the most likely thing. Although I've been in many a meeting where I've dropped my head and muttered, and oh, that's right, I got to stop on the way home. I'm, my my wife Look told at me, Jack Armstrong, <laughs> he, he loathes this very establishment that he works at. But I, I want to know the moment what Trump said that that made made him uh, lower his head and shake it like that. All right. We will get that together. We will sync up the audio. We'll we'll go all Zapruder film on it. We'll figure it out. Back into the left. He nods as he shakes his head. Back into the mailbag. <laughs> Jack Joe, big fan. My wife refers to you guys as my BFFs. But it's always a little cringeworthy when you guys emphatically announce what the law is. Oh, <laughs> says you, counselor. I'm an attorney who's handled a bunch of civil lawsuits involving auto versus pedestrian collisions, most of which were fatalities. See, now today, the music sounds incredibly loud to me. Yeah, they were working on it yesterday. By making it really, really loud or what? I mean, it's like too loud in my head. I can barely pay attention. I'm going to wait till I get to hear one of my cassettes. Michael, can you turn down the music a little? It's That's going better. Down. See, that, that seems a lot better to me. 
when Jack pops his cassette in, you know, after his eight track finishes, he can, he can appraise it for us. <clears throat> Where were we? I asked the attorney who thinks he knows the law better than we do. <laughs> I'm an attorney who's handled a bunch of civil lawsuits involving auto versus pedestrian collisions, most of which were fatalities. Yikes. Uh, in California, the pedestrian has the right of way in a crosswalk unless the pedestrian enters the crosswalk when the approaching vehicle is so close as to constitute an immediate hazard to the pedestrian. We call these dart out cases. Well, we didn't bring that up, but that's clearly true. Um, you can't run out in front of a car and get hit and then, you know, sue the guy. Although the, the car will probably get charged with failure to reduce speed to avoid an accident, uh, at least initially. Um, I can think of at least three cases I've handled in the last few years where the cops determined the pedestrian was the sole cause of the accident and no criminal charges were ever recommended by the police department or filed by the DA against the driver. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, and then he says, as an attorney, I can confidently say we do not have a justice system. We have a legal system. Um, That's right. interesting. That's an interesting statement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Ah, a recommendation of the Vice News documentary that aired, I believe, on HBO. It doesn't matter where it aired. It's on the Internet. Yeah, you well, can find it all over the place. Uh, they embed a, 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 a young reporter, young woman, with some of the white supremacist people who marched on Charlottesville. And, young, uh, hot, blonde, and pigtails. See, I was not going to go there because I respect the woman's work. I'm not going to reduce her to a pair of pigtails and her looks. Like you. Well, it's an interesting look to go with. It's not morally safer You're a, <laughs> in a suit and tie. <laughs> you're an alt-sexist. That's what you are. Um, let's see. So anyway, Most of the the Vice News kind of reporters are seem to be in their 20s, early gotcha. 30s at the oldest. Yeah, I watched. I saw, I saw half of it, I think. It's yeah. good. Um, and, and Vicky goes on uh, to make the point the media needs to stop focusing on Trump because they're missing the real threat of these white supremacist groups. Move on from Trump. He's one person in the country, and his tweets are just words. Well, he is the president. Stop giving it so much credit. The media and Hillary voters and celebrities hang on to every word he says. Ridiculous how many people shared Jimmy Fallon's little rant on his show Monday night. Isn't it time to make a difference and start creating your conversation make change? I think that's what people think they're doing, but sincerely sick of hearing Trump's name, Vicky. I didn't uh, hear Jimmy Fallon's rant. Well, I agree with her overall, but yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't either. Maybe we should play it. Yeah, well, he did one, and he did one last night. Uh, they all kind of were morose on Monday after Saturday, uh, Charlottesville. And then, yeah, last night he went on a whole rant about how we should make Trump king. And it, I don't know. It was it was okay. It wasn't funny. The um, the vice piece, the lady in the midst of the uh, the rally before it was really getting going, it's pretty damned interesting. I mean, it's interesting to see these people... Hear their thoughts. It's something. Uh, yeah. That's one oh, thing. Yeah. You know, and it bolsters my, uh, my, my belief that I uh, espoused yesterday that I wish we could go back to a pre-internet world. But so the, these people where there's five of them in each town in America now have an ability to communicate with each other and feel like they're part of some national movement and get together and do something. Right. Right. Yeah. There are various sick, dark corners of humanity that, sh- that have that same support network now. And so instead of, you know, keeping to themselves and being ashamed, they, they're they they're out and proud, which is just going to make uh, the country weirder. Let's see. 
Joe, so you're heading out to Philadelphia. Well, we'll be, yeah, we'll be briefly in Philadelphia. We're seeing some friends on the East Coast. What a coincidence. I'm off uh, myself to visit family for a week. We'll have to get together and compare scars when we return. Don't forget to enjoy a juicy cheesesteak, maybe a delicious Italian hoagie, or my favorite from back in the day, four large soft pretzels for a dollar from a complete stranger standing at the base of a random I-95 off-ramp. And remember, no visit to Philly is complete without hurling a D-sized battery at the loathsome sports personality of your choice. Have a safe trip. Fantastic. Overeating and battery chucking. Sounds like a great idea. Let's see. And my computer is locking up. Ah, there we go. Oh, and finally, um, can I use the, uh, uh, yeah, faggoty Brad uh, says, I didn't want to believe it when you gents reported that schools were going to keep kids inside during the eclipse. Well, it appears that my children's elementary school in San Diego will be doing just that come you Monday. you got to be kidding. See below from the paint chip eating vice principal. And that is, I think, literally as far as you can get from the eclipse in the contiguous 48 states. Um, Looking at yes. the band of the... That's uh, actually correct. You're, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> and they're going to make them stay indoors. Right. Lest somebody stare at the sun. Uh, dear blankety-blank families, as you know, there will be a solar eclipse our first day of school, blah, blah, blah. Here in San Diego, we are close enough to the eclipse path to have a limited view of this event. Being the furthest from it of anyone in the country. What an amazing <laughs> event that just happens to fall on our first day. It will be a day to remember for sure. While we recognize the importance of this scientific phenomenon, we also need to balance the event with the element of safety. Oh my Viewing God! Viewing the sun at any time is dangerous, and we know children will be curious and want to look at the sun during the eclipse. We, like other school districts, will limit outdoor activity during recess and lunchtime. On, I almost dropped an F-bomb. There's mm, no call for that. Yeah, there is a call for it. That is effing unbelievable. Does, is everybody okay with this direction we're going as a country? Does that make sense to anyone? Have you seen the... I saw a picture the other day in the newspaper of uh, kids in the 50s with cardboard boxes on their heads. I remember in the 70s making a little pinwheel thing. No. That's the way we used to handle it. Now we keep the kids inside. Well, why do you think about 30% of the people you see on the street are blind, Jack? Oh, that's true. Why? Because that's of those true. eclipses of the past. That's true. 10 now, of the 20 kids in my class are now completely blind. We are a nation of veal cats. Wow, that's unbelievable. We're a fat little frightened people. The pioneer spirit is dead. Long live the pioneer spirit. Wow. But bury it. Stick it in the ground. It's gone. Uh, I would actually keep my kid out of school. If my school was doing that. Yeah. I would keep my kid home that day. We're going to go outside and see the eclipse because that's what any normal human being would do. Sure. Well. Jeez. It's amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, uh, tossing off your old life and crossing an ocean to explore the unknown and seek your fortune and adventure? No, we... Our current culture would not get up and walk across the room to seek adventure and fortune. Terrified little people. Hey, we'll play a clip from that Vice documentary where they uh, they had a reporter in the midst of the um, KKK Nazi people. It's really interesting to hear some of their thoughts. Marshall's got his news coming up. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. watch some of that vice documentary and seeing how uh ready to go the kkk uh neo-nazi crowd was and we know living on the west coast 
how ready to go the Antifa people are. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that there was only ad death, and that happened with that idiot who drove the car. Well, and, and the fact that that act of horrendous disregard for human life only resulted in one death. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, with all due grief for the poor lady, I mean, thank God it was only one person. You had two armies show up. Now, here I am mentioning two armies. Now I'm on the, you know, I'm sounding like the president, and I'm going like to get myself Trump. in trouble. But you had two armies show up, ready to do battle, and the only person that died was from that car. That's amazing. That's not going to stay that way. That's not going to stay that way. There will be other clashes like this, and there's going to be a lot of dead people. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely true. And it might be uh, August 26th, 27th in San Francisco, um, the San Francisco area, because there's going to be a, a big march and countermarch. And I would not go down to quote-unquote no. see the show. No no no. No, 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 no. This is not like when I took my kids to the Trump rally to see what it was going to be like. Right. And we left early because I was afraid it was going to get violent. Um, I would not. I would not want to be anywhere near this thing, because you could get clocked by somebody easily. That's I'm good. telling you, somebody's going to start squeezing off shots at these things, and then both sides are going to start bringing guns, and then we're going to have a crisis. Which is why, from the beginning, we've said you got to crack down on political violence because it only grows. Punch violence in the face. That's right. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump has a simple message for the nation this morning. Official Trump tweet reader Vincent Nicholas. Make America great again. This after the president's confrontational presser where he spread the blame for last weekend's deadly violence in Virginia, telling reporters. I think there's blame on both sides. You look at, you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. Trump continuing. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? ask you this. What about the fact that came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem i think they do you had a group on one side that was bad and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent and nobody wants to say that but i'll say it right now we got this text if you guys defend the supremacists like trump did i'm done and i've been a fan since 2006 who's gonna defend the supremacists is is what donald trump just said pointing out that everybody came looking for a fight Supporting the supremacists. See, I, I just think he's incredibly unwise to get sucked into the into the argument. I just, I don't, I don't know. Defending the white supremacists. Why? Where, where the hell did you even get that notion? I don't know. I don't, don't know. You know what? Stop listening. I don't care if you've been a fan since I was five years old. You think that's happening? Go, go now. You were doing this when you were five. I was. There's a lot more talk about cookies. Republican leaders criticizing Trump for those comments. GOP House Speaker Paul Ryan condemning the remarks. Ryan tweeting that white supremacy is repulsive and there can be no moral ambiguity. Arizona Senator John McCain saying there's no moral equivalency between racists and Americans standing up to defy hate and bigotry. You know, Marshall, let me jump in here yeah. because I was interested. Uh, you know, what cable news people are shouting or, or whining about does not really, uh, I don't, uh, I just look at it as entertainment because rarely do you get anything close to insight or wisdom there. So I went to some of the uh, the writers and editorials of the nation because I was curious to see 
since the president made it so incredibly stark yesterday, you had violence on both sides. And again, I think he handled it terribly. I wondered what like the WAPO and the New York Times were saying about that. And I finally figured out their angle, which was, well, yeah, there were, you know, some some people on the left who, who came for a fight and they were clubbing and, and macing people and the rest of it. But a woman was killed by the, the, the right, the, the Klansman people. And and so therefore, I mean, it's just how can you even compare the two? And I just I'm not sure that makes great logical sense. Um, just because so in the absence of that woman dying, which is obviously horrifying, and at the hands of a scumbag who I wish had never been born, um, but in the absence of her killing, okay, then how would you analyze it? And this is just, again, right. from our perspective right. of if we don't crack down on political violence in a big hurry and with massive shows of force of the decent humans of the United States, we're, we're in for some ugly, ugly times. Now, right. having said that, how could somebody conceivably think that somehow, like, supporting the Klan, who are loathsome, they used to round them right. up? All right, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. So we're going to ta- talk to David Drucker of the Washington Examiner. Perfect guy for a, for a day like today, I think. Kind of a, uh, a reasoned, measured, big-picture guy. He is measured. But the way the Trump press conference went down in the media yesterday is pretty interesting. And a clip from that Vice documentary. You want to hear some of these people on the inside? I think this particular guy is a KKK guy. Or, or a neo-Nazi. I don't know. Do they distinguish much between each other? There, there are a lot of different shades. I mean, but it's mostly the same. It's interesting stuff. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. You remember the names of white bombers and mass shooters, okay? Can you tell me the name of all 19 hijackers on 9-11 off the top of your head? You can remember Dylan Roof's name. You we can remember Tim McVeigh's name. white people were capable of violence. I didn't say capable. Of course we're capable. I'm carrying a pistol. I go to the gym all the time. I'm trying to make myself more capable of violence. I'm, I'm here to spread ideas, talk, in the hopes that somebody more capable uh, we'll, we'll come along and do that. Somebody like Donald Trump who does not give his daughter to a Jew. <laughs> so Donald Trump, but like more racist. Yeah, a lot more racist than Donald Trump. I don't think that you could feel about race the way I do and watch that Kushner bastard walk around with that beautiful girl, okay? That's really interesting stuff. Yeah, wow. And that guy's a, I don't know if he's a neo-Nazi or a KKK. How do you decide which of those groups to be in? If you if you're a hater, the out the outfits. I mean, how do you decide one from the other? I don't know. Somebody invites you to the meeting. I guess I don't know. I it's... suppose to them there's a big difference, and to the rest of the normal world, do you think nah, you're all the same? Yeah, I've read the, about the various shades of the ideology, and it's you know mildly interesting. But um, that's from the Vice News documentary that we have a link posted at ArmstrongandGettyRadio.com. Damn interesting. I tell you what, there were a hell of a lot of those guys marching the previous night with their torches through the University of Virginia campus and chanting their, their racist chants. It was something else. How do you come to those beliefs? But anyway, um, so here's the New York Times rundown of what happened uh, yesterday, re the president's press conference. And, you know, this is the New York Times. They hate, but um, they hate Trump anyway. 
Wow, stunned TV hosts reacted in real time to Trump. What I just saw gave me the wrong kind of chills, a visibly stunned Chuck Todd said on MSNBC. Honestly, I'm a bit shaken by, by what I just heard. Unable to disguise her disgust, the Fox News ho- host Kat Timpf said, I'm still in the phase where I'm wondering if it was actually real life. I have too much eye makeup on now to start crying. And on CNN, as the network cut away from President Trump's extraordinary 23-minute news conference at Trump Tower, the anchor Jake Tapper could not contain his astonishment. Wow, that was something else. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to respond. Yeah, well, I, I know that feeling. The thoughts are still forming. Yeah. That was crazy. For a few visceral moments on Tuesday, television's partisan lines dissolved as dumbfounded anchors reacted on air, some in clearly personal ways to Mr. Trump's fiery remarks, in which he seemed to cast equal blame on white supremacists and the demonstrators who marched against them during the weekend's deadly clash in Charlottesville, Virginia. On Fox News, normally a redoubt of Trump support, the 5 p.m. co-host of The Specialist. That is uh, highly inaccurate, by the way, but it's the New York Times. Right. There's a tremendous amount of criticism of Trump on Fox News. The hosts of The Specialists, which is a much better show since they kicked off the guy who was sending around dick pics. Who likes that idiot? He's awful. The the girls, this is interesting, the girls are way more animated and entertaining now. They're women, Jack. They feel free. She looks like to be 16. (laughs) They feel free to speak now that they don't have Captain uh, Cologne sitting next to them. No kidding. But anyway, the co-hosts on The Specialist shook their heads with the anchor Guy Benson saying that Mr. Trump lost me when he insisted that some very fine people participated in the white supremacist rally. They were chanting things like, Jews will not replace us, Mr. Benson said. There's nothing good about that. His co-host, Ms. Timp, a libertarian pundit who contributes to the National Review Online, exhaled, exhaled deeply. It was one of the biggest messes that I've ever seen. I can't believe it just happened. Disbelief also dominated the early reaction on MSNBC and CNN, where Mr. Tapper ended his afternoon show by directly addressing viewers. To anybody out there watching today who's confused and thinks, I thought the Klan and neo-Nazis and white supremacists, I thought there was no debate about this thing among civilized people. There isn't a debate about it, he said. Like many of Trump's dramatic moments, today's impromptu question-and-answer session unspooled on cable television, but as the president's exchanges grew testier, ABC and CBS cut into their regular programming to carry the news conference, adding millions of households to the audience. Mm. Later, the network evening newscast ran long, uh, uh, unedited clips of Mr. Trump's appearance. CBS devoted its entire half-hour evening news to replaying the president's uh, press conference. Wow. That's interesting. There will be not only college classes, but entire, like, uh, curricula designed for communications departments about how Donald Trump can be simultaneously such an effective communicator and such a horrifyingly ineffective communicator. Not only a communicator just in terms of standing in a microphone and speaking, but the way he manipulates the media. Mm -hmm. He's a genius and the worst at it ever. Right. He does things that are brilliant in understanding modern Twitter, cable news, 24 hours, and then will step on his own message as if he doesn't understand at all the way it works. It reminds me of a guy who, who goes up to home plate and just swings for the fences over and over again. Yeah, And, and he, he strikes like out that. a lot and he hits a lot of home runs. By the way, there's this. Mr. Trump has caused a rift in the conservative world. And Fox News' Charles Krauthammer and Laura Ingram got into it. Oh, yeah. And we'll play a little bit of that later. Uh, you can't say a Charles Krauthammer and Steve Hayes yesterday are pro-Trump on this. No, no, no. It's, it's amazing to see not only the divisions forming, but the 
the anger simmering. Oh, yeah. On the right side of the political aisle. David Drucker, Washington Examiner, to talk about it with us coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I think really, really good. I think he could have been more specific clearly on Saturday, but when he said, we must love each other, show affection for each other, unite together and condemn that hatred, bigotry of the violence that we saw, that was so great yesterday. I think today he's really torched about people conflating Trump's support with white nationalists. I, you can see it and hear it in his responses. And I understand that, but he's not there to win every debating point. People want to see a calm president in the storm. I think today, why well, he, I think he made some points that were factually right. There were there were there was violence on both sides in that event on Saturday. Anyone who's watched the video could see it. But he's not there to win every point. He's there to calmly guide the nation through what at the moment is a very troubled time. And advance an agenda of economic empowerment, uh, streamlining regulations, and keeping very optimistic and positive about the American spirit. When he does that, I think it's really positive. Today, I think it got, he, got, he got caught in kind of the pundit trap, like he became a pundit. And what I think people want is Trump the president. When he does that, he's really powerful. Charles. To critique what he did today, on the grounds that it distracts from the agenda, or it was a tactical mistake, I believe is a cop-out. What Trump did today was a moral disgrace. What he did is he reverted back to where he was on Saturday. Okay, and so... Uh, and it got more and more heated from there. Much more heated. I mean, <laughs> if somebody makes a statement like Laura Ingram there on Fox News, and then the next person says, to say that is a moral cop-out, it's pretty strong. Yeah, and it got some, much stronger from there. We have some of those highlights to come, but we need to get to David Drucker, senior correspondent for the Washington Examiner, and um, and also is on CNN. Po po oh, political correspondent. That that's that abbreviation is impossible to decipher. Sean, David, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? You're not great. Stop lying. You're beleaguered like the rest of us. You're exhausted. You can't <laughs> you can't believe this could go on for you another know, three and a half years. Everybody in the swamp lies for a living, so that's <laughs> my best lie of the morning. So we're 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 trying not to get involved in the uh the, the, the part that makes uh, gets people all so angry and I'm just trying to look at it kind of big picture just for this moment. Um, can can we function like this? Can anything happen? Could there possibly be health care or tax reform or anything in the current environment? Very, very difficult. And one of the reasons is that Trump, while although he retains a lot of support among Republican voters, his base, of course, and then a broader Republican electorate that probably isn't paying as close attention to, to all of these events as we are and after six months in office, they're not they're, they're not ready to throw him over the side. They don't like sure. his behavior, his tweets, stuff like this will trouble them. But you know, given the alternative, they're not ready to throw him over the side. Um, he's going to have some political support in that way. But you have a lot of Republicans in Congress that don't trust him. He doesn't trust them. 
all of the, the events that we've seen over the past couple of days simply adds to the tension between uh, both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue, adds to the distrust. And that makes it really hard to do these big, huge things uh, that, in many cases, you're talking about members taking tough votes and, and in some cases, you know, voting for things they don't really believe in. And, and that's why, on a practical level, it's not uh, helpful for the president to be fighting with members of his own party, which is, which is what he's doing. And, and don't forget, there are a lot of Republicans that – they're not going to lose in 2018 because they're in safe districts or safe states or what have you. Uh, but there are other Republicans that are, you know, going to face a lot of competitive races. And you know, when the president does stuff like this, um, it makes it, you know, harder on them to hold their seats. And the, if they lose, the president loses. You know, I, I think it's really underappreciated uh, in politics the the effect enthusiasm has. I, we all get. Elections, they're binary choice, generally speaking. Um, but the president's ability to get an agenda through depends a lot on on tailwind, popular tailwind. If the people are howling for for what he's uh, advocating, it generally gets done. Um, and I just, from my perspective, as, as a guy who'd love to see, uh, you know, tax reform and immigration reform and something uh, positive done about health care. Um, I just I, I see him interfering with the tailwind way too much. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that's been true uh, since the beginning of his administration. I mean, you know, the interesting thing, as a point of comparison here, uh, President Obama was always very personally popular, and of course, as he left office, his approval numbers were sky high. His agenda was always less popular than he was. With Trump, he he's rather unpopular. Although those numbers are not spread evenly, and so he's popular with Republicans and then super unpopular in, in uh, with Democrats and in competitive areas, swing areas. But his agenda has always had a, a, a broad appeal. Um, not every Democrat likes, obviously, a lot of his agenda, but like infrastructure and trade, and those appeal to Democrats. So if, if he could ever focus on his agenda and stop being himself, which will never happen – he, he might be able to create some political uh, movement, he might, political breathing room to, to get some of these things done in an easier fashion or at least get them done in some fashion. But, you know, he can't help himself. He is who he is. And so I think, you know, everything always ends up being about Trump the person. You don't expect a pivot? What, when's the pivot? <laughs> um, I, I know it's it's a, a weird place to go for me or anybody to say this time it's different with Donald Trump because he's, he's done and said a lot of things that he recovered from. But, I mean, some of the arguments I've seen on Fox News between people on the same side more or less politically, like getting personally vicious with each other. People that have you know, you know you know seem to feel like all right that's it I've had it with this guy I can no longer support him the the leader of the AFL CIO Balin yesterday I mean that was a, that's a pretty big deal. Well, you know it is a big deal when titans of industry that are on a presidential a jobs council basically uh, resign from the council because they don't want to be associated with the president of the United States. I mean, look, business people are, are self interested. Because businesses either uh, sink or swim, and the government doesn't, you know, bail you out unless you're the underpinning of the financial banking system, and the whole world might go into a hellhole and never come back. 
And so when they decide that they're better off not talking to the president, not being associated with him personally because of things he's done and said, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I kind of fall on the side here of this is typical Trump. We've seen this for two years, uh, going back to 2015. Uh, he says something outrageous. Voters shrug their shoulders. Um, he walks on the edge of extinction, comes back from the dead. I mean, it was a year ago that, that we were in the middle of his worst uh, poll numbers of the entire campaign against Hillary Clinton. He had just finished fighting with Gold Star parents. Oh, right. God and damn everybody it. was sure he was going to lose, and of course he didn't lose. Um, now, things are different in that now he's the president. Uh, he doesn't have Hillary Clinton, a horribly flawed candidate who people didn't trust to run against and to you know focus on. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are different, and a lot of this could turn out differently. But you know, people that joined his administration, I mean, they joined his administration after the Access Hollywood tapes and after he called Judge Curiel a Mexican. And I mean, everybody's built the price, everything into the price of admission with Trump. So his supporters, they don't care. Uh, the broader electorate of Republicans, you know, it bothers them, but. They're going to give him a, a shot to get things done because, you know, they didn't want Hillary Clinton. They want him to keep nominating conservative judges and all that. And, you know, the people that don't like him don't like him. And so I don't I don't know that this is any measurably different than the last crisis or the next crisis that's going to hit us in a couple of weeks. Well, wow. it feels like it is to us, David. Yeah. But, you know, it always bears repeating what you said earlier is that most Americans are not news junkies. And they're only dimly aware of these stories that, that we tend to focus on. So I appreciate you pointing that out. But just uh, judging by the reaction we've gotten from our listeners, um, it's just uh, there is serious fatigue setting in. I don't know that the uh, the camel's back is broken, but he's he's at the uh, chiropractor for the third day in a row. Um, so. The fatigue issue is something, you know, the fatigue issue is something that could eventually do him in. And again, this isn't just like the campaign, because there's going to be a midterm election. I could imagine voters not showing up if things don't get done, and that's going to hurt Republicans. And they'll just say, hey, we gave Republicans control of government, and you guys didn't get anything done. I got better things to do. Uh, independents could finally turn their back on him. Um, I think that if, if we're having this discussion a year from now, I think that he's got serious problems he could never recover from. So I, I just I'm hesitant to make bold predictions. Not because I did them in the past, but because when others did them in the past, me, you know, it never panned out because he always seems to write the ship for just long enough to give people enough hope. That's what he did a couple of weeks ago with Kelly, and we knew, and I, we knew then another crisis was coming. I wouldn't be surprised if we head into a period of quiet for you know two days or so, and then another crisis will come. Two days. Well, did you see the? Have you seen the video of uh, Chief of Staff Kelly? Dropping his head, closing his eyes, and kind of shaking it in the midst of that press yeah, conference? Because, yes, but, you know, he had to know what he was signing up for. He's a smart man. So unless he thought he was the guy that was finally going to tame the beast, <laughs> then, you know, it was a – you know, I, I just – you know, he just – maybe he's just never experienced it in such personal terms. Right. But they all do this. You know, the news coming out of – great reporting by Maggie Haberman from The New York Times. He does an outstanding job uh, reporting that – you know, uh, Gary Cohn, the, the director of the president's economic council, you know, he's Jewish and he's upset and this bothers him. He's not going anywhere. Now, it's probably good for the country that he doesn't go anywhere. But the point is, this always happens. They're always unhappy. They're always dumbfounded. They can't believe it. Oh, my God. Are you going anywhere? No. 
Mm, interesting. Hey, David, in the time we have uh, left, which is fairly limited, um, it seems very safe to say it's a two-foot putt that there's going to be a hell of a lot more political violence in the United States in the next six months or so. You have various now uh, hardcore far-right groups vowing to march in Northern California, Berkeley, San Francisco, whatever. You know the goons of the left are going to be there to meet them, and we're going to see rolling street battles in American cities. Unless there's some enormous show of force. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is uh, this is something that's very troubling because there is a lot of tension in a very politically divided nation that's become very tribal about its politics. And I think this is where the president really missed an opportunity. What he should have done is call out these racist kooks who were marching, some in his name, in Charlottesville. They deserved special condemnation for starting this event and for instigating it. And had he done that, he would have then been in a position to say that there is a broader problem with political violence. Some of it also comes from the left. But by lumping everybody in together, it gives fuel and optimism to the white supremacists and the Nazis that the president is winking at them and is behind them. It enrages the people on the left who feel like the government isn't looking out for them, and it destroys this notion of freedom of speech and the freedom to protest, even if you're a schmuck, that we hold so dear, and it it could really spiral out of control. And that's where the president missed his role as as somebody who is supposed to not just provide political leadership and economic leadership and national security leadership, but moral leadership, which is what most presidents in the modern era, going back even further, have usually done. David Drucker, senior correspondent for the Washington Examiner, a uh, political correspondent for CNN, and of course, a uh, frequent contributor to the Armstrong and Getty Show, really the, the jewel in your crown. Uh, thanks, David. <laughs> Great to talk to you. <laughs> Great to be here, guys. Thank you. Uh, It's always a pleasure. You know, your point is right, and that's something everybody ought to remember. This is not a one-off. This is not like Gold Star Parents or whatever. That that situation's not coming up again. This situation is coming up again maybe next week, maybe in two weeks, with a bigger one of these clashes, and the president will be in a position to speak again. So this is going to happen. We're going to go through all this again and see how it gets handled. And I, I have a feeling... People are going to dig in even more. Well, and we live in an era where everybody's too adamant about everything all the time. Already. And a woman was killed. A woman was killed by these maniacs. And so people will feel justified in in ratcheting up the rhetoric and the violence and everything else more. Hold on tight, everybody. And stay away from those kind of get-togethers. Um... Text line 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
Well, this is sweet. I read about a 98-year-old woman and a 94-year-old man here in New York who just got married. Oh. And if you want to get them a gift, hurry. I don't know. That's that was not a, funny. That was Sean's side of the street on that joke. You just take a shot at their, uh, you know, pending demise. Oh, my. What I'm just saying it's, Too less soon. Of, it's less of a commitment for them right. than it would be for somebody, say, my age, to say, till death do we part. Do you take this woman till death do you part? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Again, I will not be party to these hijinks. It's disgusting to me. Uh, so breaking news, breaking news. Some poor woman by the name of Hope, Hook, Hope Hicks has been named the interim communications director at the White House. I can only assume she's bound and gagged in a hotel room <laughs> to prevent her from, from trying to run away. Uh, it's a hell of a day to take a new job. She's 28 years old. 28? So, uh... So, what behind the ears, whatever that means. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't even know how to handle these situations. The, the world, the world, I don't know what's going on. So I asked Marshall earlier, I said, is this what it felt like in the early 60s, like before things got crazy? Are like we building toward real craziness? You know, giant riots, many dead, assassinations. I mean, is that where we're headed? Marshall said, yeah, I think so. But uh, I, I, I just wonder, I mean, because it's. Yeah. I, I, I have the assumption, I think a lot of people do, that this is kind of a, a blip. We're going to go back to the way things were. I, I, uh, in a little bit, and, and things will be, you know, more or less calm. I, I wish you were right. Um, here's here's the problem. It's kind of multi-layered. As we've discussed on the show, people are identifying themselves by their politics much more than was true 10, 20, 30 years ago. Where, uh, oh, yeah, there are plenty of polls that will show um, uh, people that w- w- don't want their daughter to marry a Republican or their son to marry a, a, a Democrat or whatever. Unless she's hot. And, and, and big percentages of people that feel that way when almost nobody felt that way a generation ago. Nobody would even think about it. You wouldn't it. even They'd cross say, your Why mind. do you ask? Why would I care if my daughter marries a Republican or a Democrat? Right, and it would, it would certainly not be in the first two or three or four descriptors you'd pick for yourself. Uh, I, we get, uh, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally somebody will say something savage on Twitter about us or at us or whatever, and I'll go check out their profile and all. And um, the number of people who put their political bent way up top on both sides uh, of who they are is really quite remarkable. So you have that going on. And simultaneously, I just happened to be reading New York Times editorial during the commercial break about the uh, rather uh, feisty press conference yesterday and the things the president said, et cetera, et cetera. And, the New- and, and here's the second layer of it. The New York Times was grouping the Klansmen and Nazis with... Anybody who says it's bad that there's political violence on the left, they the way they phrase it was, um, uh, let's see, uh, da, 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 um, given one chance to formally, uh, da, 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 I can't find the specific phrasing, but anyway, so the New York Times is was is lumping anybody who's like to the right of Bill Clinton in a really unfair way. In with, you know, the worst of the worst. And you see that coming from the right, too. Uh, You know, it's not quite as angry, in my opinion. I had a conversation with a friend the other day about people who who post angry politics 
on their Facebook page. And this friend of mine isn't a very political person. Um, but he said, I have noticed, though, that nobody ever threatens to unfriend me or whatever who's a conservative. It's the progressives who seem to be really, really angry about everything all the time. But so you got people identifying their humanity with their politics and this tendency to to uh, what was it? Uh, Barack Obama said, I thought it was one of his better turns of a phrase. Uh, judge my side by the best of our intentions and the other side by the worst of, uh, right. of those among them. So you got those two things going on. How do you, how do you build bridges there? How do you find common ground with people who are completely emotionally wrapped up in politics as the statement of themselves and continually told that anybody disagrees with them is an awful human being? Where do you go from there? Violence and horror till everybody, you know, it's when you get punched in the face and you realize, oh, my God, I'm fighting my friend. And, and you sit there stunned and finally you shake hands and say, I'm sorry. I just I feel like we're heading for that sort of moment. Well, you, you've mentioned this before. Our sense of community is, seems now to be wrapped up in our politics. Right. You know, there's not we don't have the spiritual community anymore. A lot of times uh, because a lot of people live behind closed gates and, uh, you know, kind of walled off from anybody that doesn't uh, view the world their same way. So now our sense of identity is all wrapped up in our politics. So we got a whole bunch of texts. I'll just hit you with one that is uh, similar to a bunch we got, if you're wondering what people think out there. Uh, fatigue was setting in for me until yesterday's press conference. Now I'm fired up because that's the guy I voted for. We got a lot of that sort of thing. Mm. Well, if you see the media is a big monolithic a-hole, <laughs> it, people really love to see Trump battle the media. I get that. I kind of enjoy it, too. I don't think yesterday did anybody any good, but, you know, whatever. Hey, just one more quick note. You're not going to believe this, particularly if you're younger. Um, and it's weird to be old enough now to have this sort of insights. 30 years ago, if you asked somebody about your neighbor, your friend, somebody you go to church with or whatever, what party do they generally vote for? The answer, like 80% of the time, would be, I have no idea. No, you, you just wouldn't. wouldn't know. No, heck no. It doesn't come up that much. Right. Nope. Right. Nope. What What am I? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I, uh, I'm a volunteer fireman. I, I'm a Christian. Blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. And then somebody would have to ask you, which way you generally vote? I guess more Republican than Democrat. And it's weird to see how that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so quickly. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Trump's Virginia violence remarks continues stirring bipartisan anger. West Coast cities bracing for potential trouble at a series of upcoming demonstrations. And you got one airline leading the call for limits on passengers' pre-flight boozing. Stories coming what? up. What? Minutes what? From my now. rights. What? <laughs> yes. I, if, I can find, if I can find my seat, I should be able to fly. <laughs> Amen to that. If I can hold my urine in till I get to the back of the plane, I'm good to go. I didn't get lost drunk on a train once or I couldn't find my way back to my seat where my backpack was. Walked up and stumbled up and down that train for like an hour. There's not like nice. a lot of turns on a train. <laughs> oh. uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I fell off the wagon last night, Ooh. ate a donut for the first time in uh, about a year and a half. Oh, my what, God. What, 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 what kind of do? donut? Uh, well, I ended up eating two since I ate one. What the hell? 
Wow, off the way. We binged. What difference does it make yeah, now? Is it a French crawler, a cake one, is it a maple bar? Twist. Twi oh, nice. The twist is a good donut. Yeah. Turns out, my wife had been specifically. Well, first of all, I texted her. I said, if you're going to buy donuts, you got to hide them somewhere. Or I'm going to eat them. Right. And and then she said, you did not eat my donuts, did you? And then she, she had this devil emoji thing. Right. That was just scary. Anger, hate. We're, we're texting each other. She's out at the bar and I'm in bed reading. And... Um, and I said, I, the twist was for you. She said, did you eat my twist? I said, I thought the twist, I thought you didn't like twists. Now that's a twist. <laughs> so yes. I ate her specific donut. Oh, oh my. She was very unhappy with that. Oh, my. Then I ate a chocolate-covered old-fashioned, which was also a very good donut. God dang it. We finally had to adopt the rule with five more or less adults running around in our house. If it's yours, put a Post-it note on it. Because we're not going to have a fridge full of food that doesn't get eaten because everybody's afraid to eat anything. Right. So if you claim it, claim it. But if you got some yummy-looking leftovers and I, I eat them, well, that's on you, man. You know what my son does? My five-year-old? What he does if he wants something, he licks it. Oh, Lord. Oh, a time-honored technique among frat boys and seven-year-olds. He'll walk up to the table and see something he wants, and he immediately picks it up and licks it. Wow. And he'll say, mine now. Wow. That's what? a go-getter. Yeah. Wow, you got kind of a Lord of the Flies thing going at your house. Oh, man. My young nephew used to take things out of the refrigerator, and he'd put them under his bed, and then, oh, of course, yeah. he would find the stuff oh, later. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hiding them. Yep. Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Attention soaring after President Trump declared at an impromptu presser yesterday, saying both sides are to blame for the deadly violence at that uh, rally in Virginia. You had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that, but I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit, and they were very, very violent. You can add Mitt Romney now to the list of people criticizing Trump's uh, both sides' remarks. Romney tweeting this morning that both sides are not the same. He said, quote, one side is racist, bigoted, Nazi. The other opposes racism and bigotry, morally different universes. Well, the Antifa people, they, they oppose free speech. So they're, you know, I, I, I don't know just, where you rank these people. I wish they all would be locked up forever. Anybody who cracks anybody's head open for politics ought to be locked up. But Trump is so inartful. He's so ham-handed. Just, I understand what he was trying to communicate. It was just so awful. He just keeps handing clubs, ironically, with which his opponents can beat him. And, and it, you know, I see Trump fans. I look at the emails. I see the texts and stuff like that. And, and you Trump fans, because he's under attack by the left and they're not trying to understand what he's saying, blah, blah, blah. You're putting yourself now in the position of defending the indefensible because everybody's got to pick sides. And if you're one of those, we just want to chuck a bomb at D.C. and blow the whole thing up and, and start again. Uh, OK, I understand why y'all are happy. But if you're like a Trump fan because you thought he was going to help yeah. the, the working class and the working people and the common man, blah, blah, blah. You know who would stand on stage with the president right now to get a major initiative through to help you? Nobody. Nobody. He's radioactive. And that's not helping you. But what, what am, who am I lecturing? Mr. President, please listen to me. Meanwhile, you have cities on the West Coast bracing for demonstrations. A planned extreme right rally in Orange County, California, by the group America First is set for this Sunday in Laguna Beach. Police are worried that rally could easily turn violent. Because it will. They're going to keep a close eye on the demonstrators and area leaders 
the police and other authorities are calling on people in the area to be very careful. Oh, be very careful. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah. So you got you got two armed armies mm-hmm. that are looking for violence showing up to meet each other. What do you think's going to happen? There's zero chance that this doesn't end up in incredible violence. Now, I understand for a lot of these things, you need to apply for permits through the the protesting. Is it not a thing where if you should like the the protest should be peaceful? If you show up to these things with body armor and a weapon, your permit is not valid. You don't yeah, get to I don't do know, it. I don't know what the rules are. That can you show up thinking? Uh, or saying we're afraid we'll be attacked, so we want to be able to defend ourselves. Or do you say anybody with a weapon can't be here? Right. I don't know. In the old west, you know, they'd start at, stop everybody at the outside of town, and you had to take off your weapons. Turn in you your guns. Out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know San, how that works. San Francisco's mayor and the police chief want the National Park Service to make sure the public is going to be safe if it won't stop an extreme right group from staging their rally at Chrissy Field later this month. The mayor and the chief expressing outrage the Park Service granted a permit to the Patriot Prayer Group for their August 26th rally. What's a Patriot Prayer Group? Uh, they're they're a, a, pro, a pro-Trump uh, group uh, that, that, you know, is, oh boy. Has, has religious religious leanings. You I just put that did it too. Pro-Trump group. What are they actually, Marshall? I mean, they, they could be something loathsome, and this is, this is what I'm talking about. Yep. Now, anybody who's pro-Trump has been lumped in with these people accidentally by Marshall. So people are picking sides and finding themselves on, on the same side as, as people they find morally repugnant. Yeah, like, I don't know what this group is. I have no idea what they are. Did, are they um, are they like KKK or neo-Nazis, or are they just, are they nationalists? I don't know what they are. They're I mean, the, Trump said a couple of things yesterday right. that were true. And I know by just by saying that, I'm going to bring hatred upon myself. But his... Um, his comment when he asked the reporters, what's the alt-right? Define it to me. I agree. What the hell is the alt-right? Def- everybody's got to come up with a definition they agree on or stop throwing it around because everybody uses it differently. Right. Well, good luck with that. Anyway, the Park Service says the agency was required by law to grant the permit on First Amendment grounds. Can somebody look up that group and see what their statement is? Of course, their statement might not be what they are. Yeah, that's the Patriot Prayer Group. It's the name of the group. And one last note, in response to an increase in drunken and disruptive behavior by passengers flying from British airports, Irish airline Ryanair wants to limit the number of alcoholic drinks people can have before they get on board a flight, so they're calling on airports... Well, but how are you going to enforce it, Bio? They're calling on airports to limit the number of drinks sold in the airport. So oh, shut to up! To not uh, you like to get punched in the Face. Yeah. Airport, oh, back when I drank, Yes, I always saw it as a giant bar with planes. That's what the airport is. <laughs> and Ryanair wants a total ban on alcohol sales before 10 a.m. And a number of other airlines reportedly thinking about joining them well, in their ban request. It before 10 a.m.? Yes. How, how am I going to stop the shaking in my hands? <laughs> Does anybody care about that? How about you, but, you, you dumb mix, yeah? And I can say that because I'm Irish. Oh, yeah. okay. um, I'm just going to go from the bar to the faux Mexican restaurant and get me a couple of margaritas. I've always hated zero-tolerance policies, so you got a couple of people yeah. who have caused some problems. How I'm much guessing. tolerance do you have? I have zero-tolerance zero 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 tolerance. policies. So the 99.9% millions of people who fly around the world who drink in airport bars, who never assault anybody, never rape anybody, they're all going to be punished for, what, two people somewhere in the world? I mean, it's ridiculous. 
Petro News. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, The Voice of the West. Got an Irish airline cracking down on drunken brawling? What's next? Insert joke here. Right. Pick on your favorite ethnicity. Uh, gosh, we got a bunch of text about uh, San Diego schools not allowing kids to go out to see the eclipse. We could talk about that. Oh, and hey, listen. Or do we want more hate? Keep it short, if you would. But email us. What do you think of the whole Trump press conference, the whole neo-Nazis, the whole political violence, all of it? Again, keep it short, please. I don't have time for everybody's 10-page editorial. Armstrong and Getty at Yahoo.com. That's the email address. Armstrong and Getty at Yahoo.com. Or text us. Here's the number for that. 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. So you want 10 pages with videos and sources. Exactly. As many links as possible. Yes. Which are mostly dead in my experience. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Girlfriend, she's upset. She's going off about something. Is this T Swizzle? Yeah, one of her older songs. I was watching a little news recap of the Taylor Swift trial yesterday and showing, you know, B roll as they call it in the business. Just pictures of her at various gatherings. The way she poses for pictures, she's every bit as much a model as a musician. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. It's just the yeah. way it works, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk about the, the main story, although I do like this. When I get a text that says, you guys suck, or I can't believe you guys, or I'm never listening again, I always kind of like flip a coin in my head to which side this is, person's going to be on. Right. You're, you suck because you clearly are in favor of Nazis, or you suck because you're uh, anti-Trump. I get so many of both. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about before. We got this t- text. Monkeys can be taught to play rock, paper, scissors. What a great time to be alive. Wow. Wow. It's hard to argue with that. Well, if they can be, they should be. I can you imagine them. go to the zoo, watch them play. I'm rooting for the big one. <laughs> Do you have a strategy for uh, rock, paper, scissors? Some people call it Rochambeau. I once said to someone, it's called Rochambeau. How come I've never heard that? And they said, because you're from Kansas. Oh, my. Um, that, <laughs> that is condescension. You, you start with paper because most people start with rock. You never really want to go the same one back to back unless you go deep into the ties. But I I, I check out my blog for further strategies on, <laughs> on rock, paper, scissor. My kids do it every night to see whose book gets read first. And wow. it's interesting to watch the strategies. Um, so, uh, school. Well, you know what you got to do? You got to trot out this notion. Maybe you're better off having your book read second, because then that's the last book you hear before you go to sleep. Maybe. They'll blow their minds. Um, it's a paradigm shift. <laughs> uh, so is it uh, the whole school district in San Diego or at school where they're going to stay inside during the uh, eclipse? And we're talking about how sad and lame that is and that they, it's you know. many schools in many places. So we got these texts coming in. Middle school principal here, that's totally retarded. Uh, which is an interesting you, thing for what? a middle, middle school principal to say, but you need to resign. Don't use that expression. Our kids are outside during the card doing the cardboard box thing, and we canceled a couple of classes so they could do it. God bless America. There you go. Just goes to show you the the pussy veal calf method of education and living your life is not universal. Don't accept it. Reject it. Fight it. Different school that's about mm, thirty miles away from there. 
My son's school is keeping them inside all day to be safe. Oh, my God. My, you people sicken me. Another school that Tried happens it. to be about an hour away from those two schools. My kid's school bought glasses for them to wear. They're all pretty excited. Find it. Wear them. Blame the litigious parents, not the teachers and the administration. As a third grade teacher, I got so excited for the eclipse, but then the parents started questioning it, and it all degrades from there. I'm a principal, and I'm being told to keep the kids inside for the eclipse. I hate it, but it's a total lawsuit thing. The problem is that the school can be liable for something like this. It's the lawyers and idiot parents who sue over anything. Fight it! Well, and Unbelievable! You, you absolutely have parents, and I don't want to stand in defense of the veal calves. But you do have parents who'll say, now listen, Johnny, anytime anybody asks, say, I can't see out of my right eye. <laughs> and they'll sue, because and they'll the be eclipse. paid $75,000 just to go away. It'll never go to trial. They'll settle. We, we can't function like this. Does everybody understand we can't function like this? No, no, no. Fight it. People are coming from all over the world. To see this, and we're locking our kids inside the school. Right. Does that seem appropriate That's to right, you? That's right, Dennis. It's shocking, isn't it? So keep those comments coming about uh, Trump and the press conference and the rest of us. Another, we'll, we'll touch on it again. Another example of conservative on conservative violence, if you haven't heard it, on the, on the cable news. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Saturday, the first statement, was a fine statement. But you don't make statements that direct unless you know the fact. I want to make sure, when I make a statement, that the statement is correct. And there was no way, there was no way of making a correct statement that early. You can call it terrorism. You can call it murder. You can call it whatever you want. I would just call it as the fastest one to come up with a good verdict. Define alt-right to me. You define it. This week it's Robert E. Lee. I notice that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious, and it was horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. What took place was a horrible moment for our country. A horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final? Does anybody have? You have an infrastructure. You know, what's interesting is he he came out there. The, the title of his little presentation was infrastructure, something or other. Mm-hmm. He came out there, wasn't supposed to talk about this or take questions, and he launches into it, and he's obviously got a head of steam about it. Yep. Why? What's driving that? What's driving his head of steam to talk about it? It's all. I just I think it has to do with the whole legitimacy of the election question. Is his uh, support uh, racists and and weirdos? Um, I just I, I I don't know that, and he's so easily baited. I tell you what, having watched the thing yesterday and listened to it, and then listened to the highlight package again, <clears throat> and looked at some of the emails that are flooding into us, it's just it's so clear what's going on. Uh, at least one aspect of this to me, the president, people who 
elected him are under constant attack, abuse, and ridicule by the mainstream media. And if you're under constant attack, you get very, very defensive. And you don't want to give up an inch of rhetorical ground. You don't want to admit, okay, we were wrong this time. Because you know the other side will never make that same admission. And so this is the problem of being divided into our camps and and being like having our very souls tied to our politics. Um, I think a lot of the things the president said yesterday, taken in, uh, you know, if you were to take them and separate them and look at them and talk about them, were absolutely defensible. They're true. They're fine. They're great. Some of the things he said. (laughs) They're fine. They're true. They're great. Some of the things he said were just ridiculously dumb and ham-handed, and what the hell did he mean by that in the inimitable Trump style? And some of the stuff he said, I'd have never said on my worst day of my life. I can't imagine what the hell he was thinking. But it all, it's just more attacks, 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 attacks. So Trump fans are, are, are not going to say, you know what? Jake Tapper's right. CNN has, uh, they've made an excellent point there. We just, we've lost our capacity to do that. So he made a statement on Saturday. He made a statement yesterday. And then in between, he made that uh, measured statement that people liked. So so why is there a difference in tone of those? Uh, Laura Ingram and Charles Krauthammer got into it. This is the correct clip I've chosen this time yesterday from Fox. But white supremacy, evil. Violence, evil. The murder, terrorism, what happened to that poor woman, evil. He's called it all, all out, but it will never be enough for the people who despise him and his agenda. And there are people on the right and people on the left who do not want him to succeed no matter what. Did he, he make said, tactical mistakes? Yes, he, he did. He said you have no idea why he didn't say it on Saturday. I'll tell you why he didn't say it on Saturday, which he made plain today. Because that's not what's in his heart. You can read a heart. Wow, you really are a PhD. What he said yesterday was what he was reading off a prompter. He had he was not asked to do the press conference. So there you go. Um, (laughs) That was one of several angry exchanges between Laura Ingram and uh, Dr. Charles Krauthammer. And I've heard a lot of people say that. So what what he what he read off the teleprompter is not what he means. What he meant when he was talking off the cuff is what he means, which is a reasonable conclusion to come to. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I take a practical view of this because I, you know, I don't tend to tie my soul to my politics. Um, and that's, he keeps handing, you're absolutely right. All you people who say, uh, Laura Ingram, what he says will never be enough for the left-wing media. You're absolutely right. Which is why you got to be so careful. If you're going to be effective, you've got to be cautious about what you say. And he just keeps handing them a club to beat him with. I can't see how I would love the way you know his mind works. I don't think we'll ever know because these aren't all other presidents. They, they, they have advisors. They sit down. They come up with a strategy. So in history, you get all of those people weighing in. They explain, okay, we were in the room. There were three of us, and this is what we decided to do. And this was the thinking. This was the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, too much. Right, lo- to the point where it's all packaged and disingenuous. Yeah, and- yeah for a Hillary Clinton, way too much. Too yeah. many consultants, all this and everything. But you at least get to find out what the thinking was. We're never going to know with Trump because it's all in his own head. He's not discussing this with anybody. It wasn't thought out. We're never going to know. But how does he not 
walk away from this some of this stuff and think, God, that was dumb. This did me no good. I mean, it's just wh- not the way he's how, made emotionally. How did you? Th- how did well, yesterday? How do you think that helps you in any way on any level with anybody? The people who like you already like you, so there, there's no need to go there. Whether it's you know whether it's neo Nazis or just people who generally support you, they are they're already there. So you don't need to come out and hmm. say this stuff for them. Right. So who? In what way did it advance what you want to accomplish? Even an eighth of an inch down the field. You're asking a question that's never asked, I don't think, in his head. That's interesting. He, he is a cable pundit. I wish I was more that's like what, that. You know when you're watching a cable show and you think, oh, that's horse crap. Well, he gets to like go on the show and tell them it's horse crap. <laughs> or they come to him. And, I, you know, I thought Laura Ingram was absolutely right. He's fallen into the pundit trap. I wish or I was arguing around the round table. I wish I was more like him. I don't want to be completely like him where you never even consider that, you know, maybe that was not the right thing to say or maybe I should try a different approach next time. But he has got the ability to apparently just, well, that's over. There's no point in worrying about it. Let's just move forward. Like a lot of business people are. Um, you know, okay, that that's done and over. What's what's next? I think that's just the way he looks at it. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. All right. I'm going to touch on a bunch of emails real quick. Uh, The topic, Trump trashing. Please support our president. He's doing a great job. He cares for the American people, unlike most politicians. I voted for Obama twice. I love our new president. He is sincere and honest. Uh, Goes on. Oh, uh, you know, I attributed the uh, judging uh, ourselves by the best of our intentions and our opponents by the worst of their number or whatever. Somebody told me that wasn't Obama. That was George W. Bush. It was W. I'm always getting W mixed up with Obama. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trump. The great danger of those involved in a movement is to believe that because their cause is right, all their actions are right. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy would be different today if he had encouraged all of his followers to meet violence with violence. That's an interesting point. Uh-huh. Uh, Trump's address. There are many of us, me included, that are very proud of what the president said. The press has hijacked this entire series of events, which is Stalin-like and communist-like and ISIS-like revisionist history. His question is a good one. Where does erasing history and so forth stop? That you is know, a separate I, topic. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you uh, on that topic. That is a really interesting and valid topic, which as usual, he handled terribly. We'll talk about but, that later because you know. it is interesting. Uh, let's see. Show... He packaged it around a bunch of sewage. <laughs> so it was difficult to, you know, get into it. Show on thin ice. You guys soundbited the president this morning. This makes you borderline fake news. Yeah, it was probably especially when we came out of those clips and said a lot of what he said was true. I, okay. Everybody's so freaking angry. His quote was not <laughs> defending Nazis. His quote was good people were protesting the removal of the Robert E. Lee statue. I know that. I know that. But you had to explain it. He further asked if we should eliminate statues to Washington or Jefferson because they both own slaves, et cetera, et cetera. Keep it up, and I will discontinue live radio for NRA news podcasts. Huh. Okay. Well, if we let every individual listener dictate what we talked about, sir, it would be a difficult job indeed. But thank you for weighing in. Uh, what about the whole Trump hysteria now? OMG, my posterior is tired. Trump certainly didn't handle this eloquently, but I can't comprehend what is causing the outrage. So either I'm completely out of touch or the outrage is being whipped up for reasons other than ideological discussion. Hmm, I wonder which it could be. I like this text uh, on a different topic, but uh, Marshall mentioned some group calling itself the something or other prayer group. 
going to march. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah. seems to be rebranding their hate into new names. Antifa, a racist group calling itself anti-fascists. I think they're an anti-free speech group calling themselves anti-fascists. Yep, I would agree. Uh, Nazi groups calling themselves a prayer group. What's mm-hmm. its next? ISIS calling themselves monk love. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, actually, I have uh, more information on that Seattle Patriot Prayer Rally. Um, they had a, a rally in Seattle just yesterday, I think. Um, and their leader denounced white supremacists and called people who disagreed with them on the stage to talk. One thing about the... Uh, 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 who disagreed with his own group to talk and, and discuss the issues. I'll tell you one thing about so the... So you, you just group, group them in with the Nazis... Moments after they specifically rejected the Nazis. That's the way this thing goes. Well, I don't know what they were. I have no idea. Oh, what they were. sure. Let's rewind the tape. <laughs> rewind the tape. You Nazi I have no idea brander. what they are. Um, I'll tell you one thing. The hardcore people, like the people in that Vice uh, news piece, yeah. which we have linked at ArmstrongandGettyRadio.com, they're not hiding their intentions. You don't have to wonder what they really mean. Oh, no. They're talking to someone with a camera and a microphone right. and saying the Jews have got to go. Blacks are ruining this country. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you need, you, that's pretty, pretty, pretty easy to figure out. One more email I wanted to get on. Uh, as a minority in the Bay Area, I seldom soapbox. However, I agree with Trump. Both sides are guilty of, in, of ensuring violence. Trump's delivery sucks. I do wish that he would stop, think, then do. Keep on entertaining. You make me laugh out loud every day. That's uh, Sonia. Thank you for the vote of support, Sonia. It's a serious question, though, that he posed kind of in the midst of this uh, craziness yesterday. Where does the taken down slaveholder stop? And how do you not take it to the founding fathers? We should talk about that. Well, yeah, okay. Anybody sure. got some great topic? 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So in the midst of uh, all the craziness... The president's press conference, everything that happened on Saturday, and just the insanity of it all. Uh, it was all rooted in, uh, in you know, based off of, uh, the idea of taking down a Confederate statue there. That's and, right, to Robert E. Lee and r- renaming the park to Emancipation Park, I think. Well, that's already been done. Which is, uh, it's an interest, it's its own interesting side topic. Oh, yeah, and if we're all shouting at each other and dividing into our camps, we'll never have that interesting conversation. There's a lot to it. I mean, a lot of those Confederate statues and all were thrown up during the Civil Rights era as a gesture of, uh, oh, no, you can't. So it's not like, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, not quite just uh, Stonewall Jackson was a hell of a brave man and we salute him. It's a lot more complicated than that. It is incredibly complicated. Condoleezza Rice, uh, if you'll remember a while back, said, I'm a firm believer in keeping your history before you, so I don't actually want to rename things that were named for slave owners. Um, I have a fear of sanitizing history. When you start wiping out your history, sanitizing your history to make you feel better, it's a bad thing. It's a dangerous thing, no doubt. Does your middle school have to be named for a Confederate general, or should it be? I I don't... uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to this. I find it odd to have big tributes to people who uh, revolted against your country. It's odd and complicated. See, I if I were if I were in charge, statue that's been up since 1865 in a park stays. Yes. Re- renaming something in 1963 because you want to keep blacks out of your school goes. But it would get very it would get very complicated though if you're going to look at it that way. Yeah. But there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of schools and statues around this country. Almost all in the South, but not all of them. As we, what was it, Portland, San Diego, one of the oh, yeah, there cities are a bunch in uh, Chicago. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in uh, in California. Yeah, you got Robert E. Lee schools in California. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I thought that the best argument I've ever heard for this I heard uh, from Charles Krauthammer yesterday on Fox about the um uh, the big cemeteries there, uh, big cemetery in Washington D.C. where people that fought in the war you 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 couldn't have more of a stake in how much you. Uh, were angry at the South if you were risking your life for it. People that that fought these soldiers to the death, the North, allowed a spot in the cemetery for Confederate soldiers and a monument to them. Right. And they had about as much stake in it as you can possibly get. Right. Because Um, they understood the little guy fighting for, you know, what he believes in or what his country or state believes in. They're not the great movers of history. Generally, they're the victims of history. And, you know, you, you hear about it in wartime all the time, combatants coming together and, you know, saying, I wish we didn't have to shoot at each other. But then, you know, they go back to shooting. So it's a beautiful it, measure of, you know, coming back together after the war. It is complicated. Uh, Stonewall Jackson is one of the great military minds this country has ever produced. But he fought on the side that was fighting for slavery. In effect, mm-hmm. um, please don't. They're actually fighting for states, right? We know, we know, we know. Hey, real quick note, just because. So, do you eliminate him from any from everything? I don't. I don't know the answer. I'm not pretending I do. I think the answer would be longer than we have time. But for. here's the question. This is what Trump asked yesterday, and I think it's so interesting. If you're going to start doing that, how do you stop? Before you get to Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Right. How do you not, how at some point, I think this will happen in my lifetime, there will be a major movement toward taking down Mount Rushmore. There's no way. You got you got two slaveholders and a racist in Teddy Roosevelt up there. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how do you stop? How do you stop at Stonewall Jackson? How do you make the argument? Here we have the danger of presentism where you don't attempt to understand the times people lived in. And and you know what, uh, Tucker Carlson was talking about this last night, and I thought he did so uh, quite well. Um, I disagreed with some of the things he said, but um, actually, let me play you some of it. He was talking about slavery in general. Um, he, I think, well, let me let me just play it to you, and then uh, the stuff that came before it that I accidentally edited out, I'll I'll share with you. Here we go. Now, to be clear, as if it's necessary, slavery is evil. If you believe in the rights of the individual, it's actually hard to think of anything worse than slavery. But let's be honest, up until 150 years ago, when a group of brave Americans fought and died to finally put an end to it, slavery was the rule rather than the exception around the world. And had A bit of a quibble there. Uh, the American South was actually fairly late to eliminating slavery in, in the developed world. But, but... 
What he goes on to make a point about is really worth knowing. Been for thousands of years, sadly. Plato owned slaves. So did Muhammad, peace be upon him. Many African tribes held slaves and sold them. The Aztecs did too. Before he liberated Latin America, Simon Bolivar owned slaves. Slaveholding was so common among the North American Indians that the Cherokee brought their slaves with them on the Trail of Tears. And it wasn't something they learned from the European settlers. Indians were holding and trading slaves when Christopher Columbus arrived. And by the way, he owned slaves too. Now, none of this is a defense of the atrocity of human bondage. It is an atrocity. The point, however, is that if we're going to judge the past by the standards of the present, if we're going to reduce a person's life to the single worst thing he ever participated in, we had better be prepared for the consequences of that. And here's why. 41 of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence held slaves. Now, he goes on uh, for a bit on that topic. And that's I know there, really are, there are a lot of you on the left that say, yeah, that's right. This entire country was founded on white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. And that's why we have to tear it apart, tear down the institutions, rewrite the Constitution, et cetera, et cetera. You are horrifically wrong. This little experiment has been better for people in general than virtually any government on earth with all of our enormous and and horrifying sins um but i just thought that was some useful perspective i mean it's not like george washington held slaves in 1988 that'd be something um think of all the slaves in the bible there's all sorts of slavery going on in the bible there's all sorts of slavery. the bible that's right mr president but I did hear a pundit say yesterday, and and not challenged, of course, at all, uh, on uh, one of the cable news channels. The pundit said, "We cannot have statues to anyone who bought and sl- sold other human beings." Okay, well then you got to take down George Washington. You got to take down any Plato statue. Um, Can we allow mosques if Muhammad was a slaver? So, yeah, that's going to be very complicated if you don't allow statues to anyone who ever bought and sold other humans. That's going to be really complicated. Right, right. But, yeah, the discussion will not be nuanced. It will be screamed but, with spit flying out of our mouths but a, to get, across parts. But to get back to the other side, I I can see how it's, you know, hard to justify, um, you know, some Confederate war hero I've never heard of having a statue in the park. What is what is the theory of that exactly? Well, what's the argument for it? You could make the argument he gave his life uh, fighting for Virginia as he saw, uh, you know, his duty to be. To destroy the nation. Well, to divide it in two. Right. He was was willing to give his life to destroy the country. Well, to divide it in two. If you and your wife split a burrito, have you destroyed the burrito? <laughs> different people have different views. Wow. You know, it's funny. I, uh, um, no, I, I, I've always been hardcore pro-union my entire life. I, I you know, for obviously, I'm just making a joke. But, um, you know, I, I've been think, I've thinking this all morning, and uh, and I, I'm whistling in the wind. This will not do any good whatsoever. But all you people screaming at each other and completely tying up your identities in politics. Um, and calling each other names and the rest of it, it leads to nothing but ugliness. Nothing but ugliness. If you don't 
attempt to build bridges to people you disagree with and understand their point of view. And I'm I'm so I'm disturbed. I found out a friend of mine is super vitriolic, angry political post guy, and I couldn't believe it. I just can't believe it. Is he uh, like in IRL in real life, like sitting around talking? No. See, that's the thing. Um, it never really come up. We wow. our, our friendship was formed around different things. And it turns out he's super, super angry guy. Um, like anybody who disagrees with him, unfriend me. I never want to talk to you again, guy. And I was just shocked. I was really disturbed. I'm saddened by it. And I just, it's, uh, it's so. And, and so, and this relates to what I was talking about before. Now everybody's being forced into their camp. And if you like the fact that Donald Trump takes on the one-sided media, suddenly you find yourself kind of supporting what he said and, and maybe kind of even supporting some horrifying people and and, and, and the rest of it because we're all in our camps. If you wear a MAGA hat today, there's a large chunk of society will see you as pro-Nazi. That's right. You are pro-Nazi. And, uh, you know, or, or a fascist or whatever. The, the far lefty people, I can't tell you how many times I've been called a fascist, which is hilarious. I'm a hardcore constitutional libertarian. I'm exactly the opposite of a fascist. I think the idea that everybody should be forced to serve the state and that any speech that goes against the, the state should be illegal. Oh, my God. I'm the opposite of that. Do you know a lot of the alt-right types are, are hardcore anti-constitutional? They think the Constitution is stupid. The co- a country is a people and an area, blood and soil, is what they're talking about. They think the egalitarian ideal of the United States and, and, and the Bill of Rights and, and all men are created equal, they hate that stuff. And that's, politically speaking, what I live for. So the only thing they agreed with Jefferson about was the slave part. They're oh, the yeah. opposite of everybody else. Oh, they, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they see uh, Jefferson like a photographic negative of the rest of us. Well, he had a lot of stupid ideas about uh, people being created equal, but at least he was a slaver. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's wow. not necessarily true because there are, there are people on the so-called alt-right who are blood and soil types, who also say, I got nothing against any other race. I just prefer to live with my own. Mm. And, you know, which is, you know, obviously wildly unworkable in the modern world. But I don't know. I don't know. We kind of do that to ourselves also. Neighborhoods and Self-segregation. Yeah. 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 What table you sit at at lunch and all that sort of stuff. I tell you, I used to live uh, next to a golf course, and I would see the groups come and go and, the amount of uh, self-segregation was amazing. If there was a, a Japanese guy in the group, there were probably four Japanese guys in the group. Or black guys or white guys or Hispanic guys or whatever. I like a quota system for foursomes. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? <laughs> Russia doing a sudden about-face on North Korea's sanctions. Major player in California ADA lawsuits going to jail for 20 years. And the Mooch launching a sitcom. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. <sighs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I want to hear all of those stories on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Somebody texted, well, we're not talking about the Russian investigation. So that's back to the Trumps playing three-dimensional chess. 
Well, got us all off our game. Now, everybody's talking about how he's in league with neo-Nazis, so that's better than us talking about him being in league with the Russians. Well, he should have moved his his three-dimensional rook, because then we'd be talking about how really skillfully uh, we've negotiated our way through the North Korean situation and how things seem to be calmed down and there's progress being made, et cetera, et cetera. You think he walked back into the room after yesterday and thought, aha, now they're all convinced I'm a white uh, supremacist. Not Nobody's a communist. Not a communist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, in light of the New York Times story that intelligence experts suspect Russia is supplying North Korea with ballistic missiles, an interesting turn today. Russia is now saying it is against further tightening of sanctions on North Korea, warning economic pressure has reached its limit. The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is warning we cannot support ideas by some of our partners to suffocate North Korea economically with all the negative and tragic humanitarian consequences for its citizens. Wow. Boy, it is so clear that Russia has embarked in a full-bore, high-gear plan to screw with the U.S. at every opportunity and in every way. A man who extorted money from Riverside, California businesses by threatening to sue him for violating the U.S. Americans with Disabilities Act has been sentenced to 20 years in jail. What? 40, Finally. 40 years of mandatory supervision and ordered to pay $58,000 in restitution. Riverside County prosecutors say Rodolfo de Hoyos approached as many as 1,000 businesses posed as an advocate for the disabled and threatened to sue over minor violations of federal and state disabled access laws unless he was paid off. I get it. So he's not actually an attorney who does precisely the same thing and gets rich. Those extortionists and blackmailers, they get to keep on going and make tons and tons of money by doing precisely the same thing this dude is going to jail for decades for. Yep. Wow. And, How and, interesting. Uh, yeah, if you're new to the Armstrong and Getty show, we've been fighting this battle for like two decades with very little success. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a horror. A, a number of my favorite businesses in my life have been shut down by these wheelchair Nazis. Uh, destroying the business. These guys who target dozens and dozens of of small businesses for tiny little microscopic violations. They particularly target immigrants because they know their their lesser English skills and fewer community ties mean they'll be more easily blackmailed. And they do it all under the guise of helping the handicapped. Yeah, and they're not helping the handicapped. They're just getting rich. I've always wondered wondered what they think happens to these places like when a small burger joint that's been open for 50 years, somebody in a wheelchair comes up and says, hey, I'd like a burger. Like, they wouldn't send somebody out with the burger to them. No, they'd they'd shove a broomstick in their wheels and kick them down the stairs and laugh. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, we don't have a Dairy Queen in our town anymore, which was run by some Middle Eastern uh, family for years, like at least 15 years that I was around it, and got shut down because they couldn't afford to do all the changes in the, you know, move their handicapped uh, bathroom railing over a foot and all that different stuff you have to do. But um, I had a point. Where was I going with my point? Other than I hate these people so much. And you like Dairy Queen. Oh, oh so you got to pay $50,000 in restitution for a thousand businesses that you either shut down or ruined? Yeah, that's 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 a good justice there. Well, Anthony Scaramucci's not going away yet. The man who lasted less than two colorful weeks as President Trump's communications director before being ousted at the end of last month has confirmed he is working on a sitcom. You've got to have a wacky next-door neighbor who fillets himself. 
I mean, isn't, isn't, that, just, isn't that required? TMZ talked with some the yoga mooch. instructor or something. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Steve Jim, Bannon. what are you doing? <laughs> TMZ talked with the mooch uh, about the show. Very early, uh, but I think there's a lot of fun content. Uh, I, I, you know, I've got a couple of really funny titles. One is Attack of the Swamp Monsters. These guys are that trying to funny. knock me out. I'm a Wall Street entrepreneur. They're all in the political class. I like to tell people how I really feel. I'm very honest. These guys like to run around like little rats and, and backstab each other. That's not me. Yeah. So I just think it's a very funny, very re- interesting reveal. All right. Uh, I would love to see that. Like a, a more down and dirty Game of Thrones, or not Game of Thrones, uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah. I, th- I think people are, are, are. I'm already tired of the mooch. I think his uh, his belief. Uh, I want more. I, I think his belief in how fascinating he is to everybody is a little overblown. More yeah. mooch. Yeah, TMZ says a major Hollywood producer is very interested in the show, so development has begun. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the Voice of the West. God, I don't and- know if you know this, Marshall. It's kind of a thing in show business to claim that. Oh, yeah, they're heavyweights really into this project. <laughs> yes. So that's the guy Trump brought on board to straighten things out. Because he seems like he's got a screw loose. What about General Kelly feels about trying to straighten things out? You had any luck figuring out at what moment General Kelly dropped his head and shook it? No, I've, I've been because I, I can't find a video that shows him during the actual right. press conference. And so, yeah, I, I, I haven't been able to figure that out yet. Mm. That was an interesting moment. Because we're thinking the lamestream media may have, like, edited that in as if it were a reaction to Trump. Well, I don't maybe know. it wasn't, but I don't know. I don't know either. If you do know, let us know. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. And we'll get to that, among other things. It's from the Twitter. Every time he answers the phone, there's no way Anthony Scaramucci doesn't say, Talk to me. <laughs> what a guy. I bet he's got a girlfriend that's really annoying. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Accidentally fires a nail into his heart. Yeah. Uh, three and a half inch nail, just a tiny bit of it was still sticking out of his chest. He thought to himself, hmm, this isn't good. He could see the nail moving with his heartbeat. Oh, what are you trying to do to us? So People he, are driving off the road all over America listening he, to this. He went and got in his truck, drove himself to the hospital, parked, walked in, said, I got a nail sticking out of me. Yeah. I'll take people who are How tougher long? than me for 2000 yeah. Alex. <laughs> How long's your line? Because I got a three and a half inch nail in my ticker. I might drive myself to the hospital, but I'm going to go ahead and park right by the emergency exit and walk in. Oh, yeah. I'd toss somebody my keys. If you want to move it, go ahead. Yeah, but boy. He's okay. They yeah. pulled the, the pulled the nail out, and it just miraculously didn't hit anything that would kill him. Good Lord. All right, a little round the horn here, a little back and forth. We got He's got stuff. I got stuff. We're going to cram as much in as we can, and it's not going to be you-know-what talking Trump about you-know-who. Hate. Shush. Stop it. All this or that. Another middle, another teacher arrested for sex with student. Yes, she's a hot blonde. Always. Got enormous green eyes. Just amazing. Uh, what is it with these women? 41, 40 years old, uh, Georgia, sex with a 15-year-old who is heading from the 8th grade into the ninth grade. Reliving high school or something. That or a, a woman who's 
whose whole identity revolves around her sexual power or something. I don't know. I don't know. Just bizarro. Uh, by the way, I really enjoyed some of the clickbait at the bottom of the story. Um, it includes Hippo grabs lion by its head and shows it who's king. Mm. And woman born without vagina raising money so she can have sex with her boyfriend. How, do, how is money going to help? It's going to have a surge. You're going to make one. Oh, okay. Like they do for fellows who want to become gals. Oh, okay. Similar procedure, I'd imagine. I wonder how, uh, at one point in the uh, relationship, she told her boyfriend, yeah, 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 maybe you've noticed I've been kind of putting off having sex with you. There's something I got to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a vajayjay. Right. You what now? Barbie? <laughs> I'm, like wow. a bar- I'm like a Barbie doll. You ever took the uh-huh. pants off a Barbie doll? That's what I look like. Wow. Well, I wish your luck with that. That's uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Didn't know that happened. Yeah, it's terrible. Science says... Science! Most people can't tell the difference between good wine and bad wine, but they think it's good wine if it's expensive. So they sure. did this study. Uh, I find this sort of thing fascinating because I try to avoid it in my own life with a, with a bunch of different things. But So they put uh, cheap box wine in a fancy bottle labeled Boite du Vin, which is French for box of wine. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't take much French, but... And uh, so they had, they had participants uh, drink the wine out of the box, and then they had participants drink out drink it out of the Boite du Vin. And, uh, you know, huge difference in the number of people who liked it. Yeah, I'm and sure. And it's just, it's just, it's fascinating. I yeah. love that stuff so much. I know, and I know. I, <laughs> I I wonder how much objective taste actually exists and how much of it is of our, us fooling ourselves. They did this study, I've mentioned this a couple of times, a couple of years ago with uh, Stradivarius violins and some of the best players in the world, and they couldn't actually tell the difference. Mm. Now, they all swear that they can, and people spend millions of dollars for these instruments. Um, but when they did blind tests, nobody could tell, so... How much how much of everything that we do enjoying furniture, cars, food, everything is just, you know, our mind fooling us. Literally pretension. Uh, how much? 73%. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> About 27% is legitimate. <laughs> That's handy to know. Yep. And does it make any difference? Although so, it makes a difference if you spent money on it. So almost three fourths, Joe. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point, Vince. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, nail gun story actually made my heart hurt. Oh. I'm going to go sure watch the hippo the bite the lion. Oh. What was that, Sean? I said, you sure that's not the donuts? <laughs> it's true. I did eat donuts last night. Hippo will beat a lion? I did not know that. Mm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.